Jordan Peele has always felt like a transcendent filmmaker. It's funny that after getting his start on Mad TV and with Key and Peele, you guys don't know what I've been through watching Key and Peele do my show for the last five fucking years. Jordan Peele would have a second, actually third, act as an incredibly talented writer, director, and producer. After getting his start with the controversial and racially charged Get Out, by the way, I, I would have voted for Obama for a third term if I could. Jordan Peele followed that up with us, and although the academically minded might draw parallels to W.E.B. Du Bois's theory of black double consciousness, it was a horror movie you didn't have to take a racial message away from. Jordan Peele continues to break new ground with 2022's Nope. I'm not sure whether this movie breaks too much new ground on the alien or the science fiction front. However, this film is a pretty groundbreaking neo-western, at a time when even high-profile subversive westerns like Power of the Dog and The Harder They Fall haven't, at least in my opinion, jolted an old genre out of its staleness. Nope is able to tread these waters in a way that feels refreshing and new, by not getting too heavy-handed with the old western tropes. But, at the film's core, Jordan Peele returns to a subject that he broached in both Get Out and Us, the human gaze. The movie opens with a quote, I will cast abominable filth at you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle. Nahum. 3-6. And spectacle is Jordan Peele's fixation throughout this whole project. Instead of Get Out, which shows the black gaze as something that white people covet even to the point of Stephen Root's blind art dealer literally coveting Chris Washington's eyes, the folly of the human gaze, in both the face of predators and immoral exploitation, transcends racial boundaries in Nope. Did you get that on camera? Look at me, look at me, look at me. What happened? Listen, listen, we, we gotta get you out of here. Eyes on me. Where's my camera? OJ and Emerald Haywood are quick to point out that they are descended from anonymous Hollywood royalty. The black jockey riding the horse in Edward Moybridge's The Horse in Motion, one of the first motion picture series in the 1800s. That's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say since the moment pictures could move, we had skin in the game. Huh. The siblings are quick to see an opportunity to exploit the alien in order to get on Oprah, for one of her famous UFO segments, and who among us wouldn't want that fame and fortune? However, unlike their neighbor, the tragic and exploitative Ricky Jew Park, who sees the opportunity for a quick cash grab, my family and I bore witness to an absolute spectacle, one that you'll be seeing here today. Entertainment for the masses, much like Siegfried and Roy saw with their tiger, or SeaWorld sees in the killer whales. OJ and Emerald have come to understand that nature, and the animals we exploit, are not ever totally tameable, and have rules and limits. Why would aliens be any different? It's the most ironic point then, that the one thing above all that makes Jordan Peele's alien, attack and devour, is the human gaze itself. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. 
Christina Oaks. She has recently rebranded to Cosmopolitics, twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics, or on Patreon, or find her on all the social media uh, websites, and she streams about four times a week. Kona Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal and frontman for Kona Neutron and the Secret Friends. They recently got back from touring along the entire West Coast, but if you miss seeing them and you live on the East Coast, I have good news. In early October, they will be doing a mini tour with some East Coast dates, including the 1-2 Heart U Festival in Peekskill, New York on October 8th. I, of course, am your long-suffering host, Forrest Miller. I forgot to introduce myself earlier. Without further ado, let's get started. Very good. <laughs> Without further ado, let's, let's get, get started. started. <laughs> oh, wow. Look who it is. Oh, my God. It's oh, wow. us. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're reading a book report in front of the class, but uh, you know, I appreciate the effort nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> the last one, I, li- I literally like drank a couple beers, and I was like, ah, oh, I need to add Conan to this. And I like wrote a thing out, and I was like, <laughs> six minutes of me talking. Just yeah, slurred good. words at the end. Yeah. Oh, you're trying the secret beers. Does a lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> real busy. <laughs> Wouldn't be wrong if you use that as your explanation, by the way. I do do a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, no, I would not be wrong, but, you know, trying to do oh. something a little more specific. Yeah, Appreciate speaking that. of specific, uh, Merry Rushmas to those who celebrate Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. That, that's the uh, traditional Jewish uh, saying, right? Rushmas? I thought that was Neil Pert's, uh, you know, the, the holiday to celebrate Neil Pert when you, you know, snort a bunch of fucking coke and try to bang on things as loud as you can throughout your house. Yeah, yeah. Play, okay. play some subdivisions, exactly. You know, Rush Hashanah. <laughs> Rush Hashanah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're off to a great start already, aren't we? So. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm back. Hello. Hey. What's up? Hi. How was the tour? It's fantastic. It was really good. Lots of uh, amazing shows. Uh, played well. Sold a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean, what's there, what's there not to like? <laughs> then I'm back at the computer. I'm like, oh, yeah, this. <laughs> yeah. Guess, guess well, I mean, we know. move down to once a week, and that's, you know, my experience every week now is I'm like, oh, yeah, right. All right, this is how you use StreamYard. Uh, I, I I need to I need to relearn all of these. Uh, <laughs> all forgot this I Yeah. Uh, this is a great film, though. I mean, I saw this, and this is one of the few ones I've went to see in a theater in recent memory, and I really, uh, I did not regard it at all. I actually think it's it's one of my, it's top three movie of the year for me. Like, I, I'm really glad we're covering it, because I think it's very unique. I think it's interesting. I think there's a lot to it. And I liked Us a lot. I think I like this better than Us uh as a film overall but I, I think he hasn't made a bad one yet and i think they're all pretty interesting this is no exception holds up on rewatch i rewatched yeah. uh all three this week because i was bored so last yesterday i finally watched get out again i watched us mm-hmm. on uh on thursday and i watched this i thought you guys were all gonna be like oh thanks for buying it for 20 bucks we'll all watch it and i could like you know i could feel like i did something for the for the crew, but you know, I guess well, I, I was looking for another film t- to watch for my discourse, so then I stumbled upon No, but I was like, oh, I might as well watch it. <laughs> there you go, there you go, yeah. 
So, yeah, like I think I, I mentioned in the group chat that um, coming back from the Orange County show heading to Oakland, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's the exit for Jupe's claim and, and the Haywood Ranch. And I, I checked it later, not driving. I was like, oh, it totally was. That's awesome. Uh, I also appreciate, as a born and raised West Coaster, the uses of Fry's Electronics as a uh, key, uh, not just plot point, but uh, location. And one of the Prime Angels character works at Fry's Electronics. And it's the only other show I've ever seen really used as Mr. Robot or uh, media. I By the way, what was show. your uh, local Fry's um, theme? Uh, it, it was the, well, the localist one, localist, sure. The, the most local to me at the time was the South Bay one, which had like, it's like a, um, like a temple. Okay. Thing. But then I yeah, also, and for those of you who don't know, each location has its own theme, uh, until mm -hmm. they closed down last year, I believe. Yeah. And they find they didn't, they didn't, I mean, they were not doing great, like before the COVID, but they definitely did not survive the COVID, but it's sort of like, imagine if Radio Shack was like the size of Walmart, but really cool. Like that's probably the best way to and and rock, the and, era, roll, rock and roll Radio Shack kind of. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's kind of before everybody. Like nowadays, and this is like totally an Apple thing. You get your computer or whatever, and it's just like a, it's like how they do cars now. It's just a closed box. You can't go into it. You can't do anything with it. Period. But that was the place to go if you wanted to get like a hard drive or like you're gonna put a new video card or something along those lines. Like mm -hmm. you went to like uh, you went to Fry's, and so it's it's cool to see it in there because. Uh, well, first of all, it was cool that it existed uh, and existed as long as it did, especially with the like one, <laughs> one had the alien crashing into the uh, <laughs> into the building, which is pretty great. Uh, and it just it was a, you know, it was a cool place where if you were into like doing like weird electronic projects or just like uh, even to nerdery or like that, it was the place to go. And, and then that actually makes it a fantastic uh, plot point for the film because what they're looking to do is like set up like you know a, a localized camera system and you know if you don't just go to the internet where everything is like immediately tracked then like that yeah you totally go to fries so well and also it seems like uh, next uh, it probably... brought to you by fries electronics thank you Oops. oh they're closed um <laughs> yeah oh, well, but uh <laughs> like I, I don't know it's also makes it like pretty awesome that not awesome that they closed but like it probably was an easy location to shoot at because uh, i mean they, they yeah. filmed this movie after the the pandemic like he had the idea for it during the pandemic and like a lot of the ideas of this and we'll get into this when we watch great like, outdoors you know, well a lot of the ideas that he had for this comes from like the isolation and kind of horror of everything happening and changing during the pandemic and that's obviously not where he went with the plot at all but like that is kind right. of the uh, you know, what he was going through when he was actually writing this, which also says some amazing things about Jordan Peele's writing process, that it's that fast, that he can turn around a movie in the space of the pandemic. It's 2022. This came out in August or July, I believe. Like, it's crazy that he can, like, go from writing it in the middle of 2020 and then filming it in 2021. And, like, oh, it, it feels like this movie should have been shot over more time than that. Yeah. Yeah, or the, the ideas of it, because it, it really is a very thoughtful and uh rich film especially with like uh i mean he did build it so you you know you'd you'd have these kind of like unanswered questions like why is the number six repeated all the time throughout the yeah. film why is the shoe sitting up you know which yeah that's one that got me i was like oh that shoe is gonna be real important to the story no mm -hmm. <laughs> no bad well i mean you know it's, it, it, it's kind of the symbol of i guess the the attack that happened right like we have these cultural touchstones that we kind yeah. of go back to and assumably if we had actually like been able to watch the skit where fucking um 
Chris Kazan or whatever, which is the funniest <laughs> SNL member to mention because like who's who's mentioned Chris Kazan since like uh, since he did the the Night at the Roxbury stuff. You know what right. I mean? Like he's not been in anything. The only thing I remember him being in is like How I Met Your Mother. He was uh, the guy playing Ted Mosby or whatever, and when they made the fake How I Met Your Mother movie. Besides that, I haven't seen him in anything. So it's kind of funny that he's the one that they like. Like he's like Chris Kazan at his best, and it's like Chris Kazan is best for me in my mind is right. <laughs> But also, like, that's a whole thing about uh, his his way of sort of processing that trauma is he's got his like his spiel down, including like, you know, kind of like, you know, and Chris Kattan, he's just so good at it. Like like he's got like he's not even thinking about it. Right. It's just like a, a thing that he says to all the people that are coming in. And that's the way he processes by making it like a routine almost. And, and, and they, there is actually like like a, a real world uh, corollary. To, to, to this uh, fictional sketch too, because Chris Kattan did play a uh, like a weird monkey child on a yeah. sketch, and they and they played it briefly. They played the the thing where he's the monkey and he's like slamming the the table or whatever. But yeah, but, that's a, that's a real sketch uh, from from Saturday Night Live uh, where, where he was like uh, regularly doing that. I I can't remember, but I think it's great that like like it there was just enough of like a you know the the vestigial memory of of that. Uh, that sketch in my mind. So when, when they brought that up, uh, I was just like almost believing it. Right. Like, like it felt like I had seen it before. Well, it also feels like a real thing that you could uh, like hear about happening that like, I, I really like that they do it with, uh, you know, with, with, with the sister. Um, like when she's, you know, he, her and OJ are saying there and he's explaining like, yeah, like that's why you can't use chimps anymore. And it's like this vague cultural memory that it feels like all of us have for these like stories about like these famous shows or something that erupted in flames and everything burned out. And there's just so many of them, I think at this point that it's almost like our, our brains process it all as like one big cultural blob. So you can almost yeah, believe like, that, I remember like, when that happened. It's like, Oh, yeah. that totally didn't happen though. That's there's, that didn't that's, happen. They did that with the whole, uh, uh shazam thing right where uh where you know i forget who it was that like, sinbad. or sinbad yeah played a genie and it de- never really happened and they did the tests where they were like everyone was like yeah no i totally remember that happening and, and in the same way like a monkey attack that happened right. on set for this uh you know this 1996 sitcom you can totally think of that happening and be like yeah yeah like the you know the um the i, I forget what the name of it is in this i like i didn't pull up my notes for this but um like yeah, like I totally remember like the you know the the thing where Gordy's place that's what it was. But like I totally remember Gordy's place and and the monkey attack. That that totally sounds like a sitcom I could have seen. And uh, it also brings us into the conversation about spectacle, which I have this clip. Um, and you know, spectacle gets touched on so many times in this movie. But he's kind of turned himself like Jupe has turned himself into the spectacle, right? Like because he's traumatized and because the only thing and he was controversialized do... too he was made into the controversy and like you don't get the choice of whether you are being controversialized or not and that's something i'd like to talk about and it comes from trauma a lot of the time but like our our, our culture is unable to process that as trauma like you know what i mean like it's much easier to look at chris Kattan playing the monkey in the suit and like dancing around than it is to think about the actual terror that somebody must feel if they see a, a chimpanzee on set of a, like a kid's tv show rip somebody's face off yeah, exactly. A chimpanzee that you've acted with, but then also literally <laughs> be- beating the hell out of people to like to death and like mauling them. I mean, it was so exciting. You know, I hate every ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. <laughs> About kind of the personas and people that we know publicly. And we also talked about, um, I guess, you know, 
coming into, I think when you're new into a dynamic, into a structure like Hollywood, um, there's an inherent like infantilization. And I wonder if like anyone can feel, a lot of people like that can feel, even if they're not children, when they become known, they still feel that uh, weight of the gaze upon you. Mm -hmm. And it takes years to kind of chip that away. And I think um, some people don't get to break free of that. And, uh, or maybe we, all of us never do, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we talked a lot about that. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's it's so fun collaborating with Jordan that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we went we went deep and we went hard, and and a lot of it, I think it's impossible to work <clears throat> in this industry for very long without having scars yeah. of moments where you feel like you were um, exploited or feel like you were infantilized or erased and other things. And so the the the, the what's terrifying about these scars is it's it's wound it's it's all wound up in the, the our in the the quest for attention mm -hmm. and and the scar is it's it's cyclical it's cyclical it's something that you can and so that's why you know fame is very destructive to people who don't have a secure system secu secure support support system or foundation mm -hmm. i get asked a lot you know where what what was what is the spark and i guess it kind of it doesn't really work like that for me anymore mm -hmm. um the the, the word that we said the most on set, or I said the most, was spectacle. Mm. And so that was the starting point um, for me in a lot of ways of what I knew I wanted to give the audience. Mm. And it was a lot of the analysis that I, I, I did in thinking about what we were discussing and what we were uh, dealing with. A lot of the analysis dealt with spectacle and this industry and business of spectacle. And, uh, and that there's a magic to it and something that I've, I've devoted my life to being a part of. And there's also something insidious about it. And when you have that duality, that's a, that's a perfect pro kind of thing for me to tackle because I love that. I love duality. Mm. I, do, I do like Westerns, all, although, you know, I think this film, you know, more than anything is about the, uh, the Hollywood mythology of the Wild West. And um, the not only the sugar coating of the of the um, barbarism of it, but you know the erasure of the the black cowboy, <laughs> uh, and and uh, at, at all is is all wrapped up in this this movie. So, in a lot of ways, this movie is you talk about in terms of the media. A lot of ways, it's about Hollywood. Fair. Yeah, I, I like how he mentioned about like the black erasure of like uh, pretty much like black cowboys because like a lot of people don't understand, especially even like before, during, or even after like um, like World War II. It seems that like some free slaves, you know, they really didn't know where to go, so some of them ended up probably going out west. And yeah, which, which is the same reason that you know white people were doing that too, right? Like it's uh, an entire generation of people during the great depression during um you know like uh, economic collapse that the only really thing that they could think of to do is like you know they, they talk about like the dust bowl is like to go west and you know it, it would have been black people it would have been white people it would have been you know uh hispanic people like all like all of them kind of converging in this uh poverty state going towards like these pretty much camps and some people would get hired as farmhands some people would get hired as um you know workers in different 
like you know either picking like uh, oranges like they had like the orange bowl kind of what they called it like but there weren't enough jobs for people and they kind of ended up being uh transient and like having to actually spread out among the west coast and like for you know to erase that image and just have it be like some white guy on a horse that's like I'm a cowboy. Like. I mean, it's even worse because, like, Reeves Base uh, was the uh, Bass Reeves. Bases. Bass Reeves. Yeah, right. Bass Reeves. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking of uh, Saul Base, of uh, the <laughs> movie poster artist. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, Bass Reeves was a, the Lone uh, Ranger. He, he, the Lone he, he Ranger, was yes. the Lone Ranger. Like, what the, yes. the Lone Ranger is based off of Bass Reeves. It was, it was a black band. It was a, and uh, most people don't know that. I'm amazed there isn't a movie about Bass Reeves, frankly. Like, there I, is but, a movie and it's terrible. Do not watch it. I, well, my caveat <laughs> to that, and you should know this when we're picking movies, a good movie is what I'm Yeah, saying. no, no. <laughs> and and, and what I was going to so on paper, this looked like a good movie. I'm going to, I'm going to defend sure. that. I mean, it's a great, it's a great deal. I, I was uh, excited well, to watch it. It was very disappointed. <laughs> As, as as the only person on this panel from the West, but also who has literally just gone West and come back, uh, I have to say that like it, there's a, there's a lot of Western character uh, to this film in a very good way, and I think it's done in such a way that when people think of westerns and what like you know you usually think of like the Sergio Leone uh, movies or you think of like John Wayne on the on the television or whatever along those lines um, as a as a cultural amalgamation as, as like a cultural average right and i think it's kind of amazing that uh, and force you made this point also that as much as like you know i like the campion movie um i've i i enjoyed the the, the black cowboy movie was it the harder they fall right i thought that that was like entertaining yeah. it didn't make my like top 20 Two or twenty-one, or whatever it was. I saw but, scenes of it. I don't think I saw the whole thing. It's fine. I, it's good. Yeah. It's 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 entertaining, but it's it's not really a, a massive, uh, <laughs> massive piece of art or anything along those lines. It's like posse. But, but I think that like it's it's interesting that there's finally new types of Western stories that are being told, and I think it's yeah. some of them are like either more historically accurate or the fact that like look, this isn't like like a, a, just a historical thing. There are people that still are ranchers and they do have like you know cows and horses, and it is a very real thing. And anyone that is from the West knows it very well. Just like how there's people that are still farming, and like like you know you wouldn't think about it if you're living in uh, you know, maybe in New York City or. or San Francisco or Los Angeles, but no, that's I mean, like where the, I mean, that's where the food I, comes from. I took, a, I took a bike ride today, right? Um, didn't go my normal route on the, the bike trail. I went on the main <laughs> road. I think I passed by five different farms with horses. Uh, yeah. Just, just, uh, on yeah, the, but just on the seven. Horse farms seven, down uh, here. Yeah. And we have, we have a lot of, uh, we have apple orchards, like more than anyone anywhere. This is like, they should call like the apple or something like, cause we have all the cider factories here. So people love to sell right. their, sell their apples to like like angry orchard you know they have that everywhere that cider yeah. that uh, yeah that's here like that's you know 15 minutes away almost almonds tomatoes and grapes where i'm from uh but like you know it's 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 the same thing where it's like there's there's these large swaths of land and they're somewhat misunderstood is there are a lot and, of and, uh, is there are a lot of wrath for for those grapes <laughs> right exactly and and, and, a, and a lot of water rights just like mad max as we got into in that episode but mm -hmm. i think that the uh, where water rights is i want to waste water exactly i want to do it and we'll literally spend millions of dollars in an ad campaign to get people uh kicked out of office that i don't like rather than change my ways because all of these like big corporate farmers are inherently like republican assholes that just would rather do that which is amazing but well that's what i, I mean that's what california is kind of known for like they have the ballot initiative which whatever people yeah, it's are horrible People yeah. think it's a good idea. It is not a good idea. Do you want all the billionaires to be putting stupid crap on the on the ballot 
all the time. So you have like 20 things to vote for. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. This, what this this tax initiative? Okay, this does this that, that. Like, don't we have a state legislature? Aren't they supposed to do this? What do they there's do? The, there's the famous uh, Jar- Howard Jarvis, right? Who who made it so that you couldn't uh, raise the income tax above a certain mm-hmm. level? Yeah. And at the time, everyone was like, "Well, I don't want my income tax to, to go above yeah. that level." And it passed, and it fucking pretty much has handicapped California for the next and, and forever. exactly. <laughs> and now, like, enable in, in order to pay for anything, there has to be these like you know jumping through flaming hoops of like crazy gestures and stuff like that. And it's crazy people should not be direct democracy if you have a well-informed intelligent populace i'm sure it's great we have neither yeah (laughs) explicitly clear and california the one thing i don't miss about living in california is like literally every election and it seems like there's four every year having like 40 different things to like research and vote on because it's absolutely insane one time out of a hundred maybe something will come through but that's like really what it is and most of it's stuff to like You'll even see people like in the legislature. They don't want to like vote on something that's going to like upset some of their donors. So they just put it as a proposition like, oh, look, all the people can't do anything about it. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous. Anyway, but the point of this is that like I think that like the idea of like the modern cowboy and like what we think of as like the modern cowboy. Uh, I, I love it. Him, uh, you know, being portrayed OJ in this way. Um, and and also um, the reluctant modern cowboy too. He's just like, I don't know if I really want to be like, I yeah. love resources, but like this, this sucks. Like, I'm not going to pretend that like, I'm not going to pretend this is out of like some valiant desire to like be the horse guy on set. Like, I don't even, yeah. I don't even have the charisma to, you know, do whatever on set. Like, he likes it. certain parts of it, but he is not. He's definitely his his dad's thing and like the legacy, and he's begrudgingly doing that because he doesn't think his sister's going to be able to pull it off. <laughs> Well, nice. <laughs> I, I will say though, I I gotta love this part where he uh says his name, and you just hear this woman go, "Did he say his name was OJ?" Yeah, and she looks really, yeah. she looks kind of nervous about it, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Otis Junior," and she's like, "Okay." Which, you know, I mean, it shows you that cultural clash between someone who's like, you know, actually a cowboy or actually kind of living this uh, horse lifestyle with, you know, I, I love the line, they're horse people. Like, yeah, yeah. But uh, like actually well, have, having dated people. a former horse person, that is definitely worthy of. Yeah. Uh... No, I went to college, the, uh, the uh, only college on the East Coast, which had uh, a, a bachelor's degree in uh, equine studies. There you go. But um, I, I think that the Western mythos is <laughs> the only place where actual horse shit is on the curriculum. Oh, we're having a, we're having a major uh, we're having a major hey, controversy. He's back, folks. We're having a major controversy in town right now. Apparently, this is what everyone's upset about. There's a guy that rides a horse. I've taken a video of this guy before. He goes on the on the rail trail and he rides this. He dresses like a cowboy and rides his horse uh, up and down the road. And I guess oh, he decided wow. one day to I take. I guess his- it's a Lil Nas X. <laughs> <laughs> so he decided to take his uh his his horse to Main Street and I guess the horse kind of like pooped all over Main Street and people are really mad right now that like someone had to clean up that horse shit and that's like that's like the town's major controversy that's just lighting up their Facebook group being like I don't think which you know if you want to see reactionary town politics in any community including one that's like you know nominally liberal Facebook like group. mine yeah community Facebook groups oh, yeah. people get mad about the dumbest shit um, yeah. I can't wait um, for Chris Hayes to bring that up on a show <laughs> Well, yeah, and also, it's the trail uh, that he walks too. It's that same. That's where the guy goes. Um, next door, but, uh, aka racist next door. Yes. <laughs> but uh, no, I think the, the this idea movie. Of- so, yeah. So the original point that I was trying to make is that this movie shows a lot of like Western, actual Western character, and I think that that's notable because you just don't see a lot of that, and you certainly don't see it from a position of uh, being a family person of color. And I no. think that that's uh, 
very unique and it's never been depicted as far as I've seen and certainly not in a way that where like that isn't like the principal part of the story. It's just, you know, the background of the, of the principal characters. Yeah. I well, I mean, well. Westerns have always been the story that we're kind of telling ourselves about ourselves. And I mean, spaghetti Westerns are obviously kind of a different thing because it's Italian and it's, you know, their version of a, of a certain genre film, but I mean, still and it's a pasta. <laughs> and uh yeah people are speaking different languages and stuff's overdubbed and like you know it's it, it is a unique genre in and of itself for sure but but so the western has always been the american mythos and that's why someone like john wayne who is an insane far right just out of his fucking mind uh like you know would, would now be he would now be like one of the trump guys that's like you know uh doing the doing the videos like um john voight does where he's like uh you know he, he's one of those guys like he was all he'd sit in his, his pickup truck and yell yeah, and so, <laughs> so uh, to have you know somebody like that or Clint Eastwood, uh, you know, in the spaghetti westerns, like as like the all American guy, like it, it's telling a story about uh, our our settling lands. Number one, like our genocide of Native Americans, but totally whitewashing it so that you know it's the valiant uh, cowboy protecting their new like his new land from you know savage Native Americans or whatever. And like it's always been to tell a story about ourselves, a story that we very much do not want. Uh, black people in right like we don't want our treatment we don't want to interrogate that at least at that time we didn't want to interrogate that so like it, it the, let alone you know mexicans that, tejanos uh and uh native americans too like like we've also kind of like virtually erased them from those stories and and they're uh, quite uh essential um you know going back to texas for example uh it was it was the tejanos initially that wanted to st- uh you know to to uh start you know, making Texas independent. So like, like this erasure has been going on, you know, it, it covers a lot of people uh, that, that ain't white. Uh, like everybody who's not white gets erased. And, and Mel Brooks, I think, you know, was one of the, the earliest people to tackle the subject of like the black sheriff, obviously in uh, mm-hmm. Blazing Saddles, which one of the best movies ever made. But I mean, a movie that really interrogates racism. What are we covering this? That, yeah. Well, <laughs> but like a movie that really interrogates racism, I think, in a way that you wouldn't see in, in movies, you know, really tackled that sophisticatedly for another 30, 40 years. You know what I mean? Like his his version of like a race story and kind of um, uh, com- the, the comparison of Native Americans and Jewish people kind of being displaced. Although, you know, I, that has its own not so great implications at this point but like you know these kinds of uh more complex like racial dynamics in uh blazing saddles this feels like this kind of genre of 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 black western at least something like this which is more lighthearted and is not completely fixated on being a western um feels like it's kind of in in the legacy that started there i think it is. I mean, it's also, you know, it isn't just about the race politics of it, too. Like, it's also about Hollywood. The fact that, like, yeah. you know, I use a horse when you can just use some CGI, right? You know, and, and, and like that, the push towards that, and like how it's also de- that's decimated industries that have, you know, been generationally around for the entire like length of moving pictures. And that it's just, oh, it's inconvenient. You know, can, like, what was I? Can you tell the horse we're ready? You know, like, they're like, what the fuck is wrong? <laughs> he can't actually talk to the horse. Like, why did you think he could yeah. talk to the horse? someone who cleans for people who have horses i do have a customer who's literally a horse whisperer all right well he's got those clydesdale clydesdale and like every like those big big horses and i'm like what why do you need these horses for but they like to ride commercials in case i mean case of budweiser commercial you you can ride clydesdales really (laughs) i mean i mean they're huge horses 
I know they're huge. Yeah. I, I, that's why, like, they're usually used for pulling things, not for riding. No, you can ride them apparently. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he can because he's the horse whisperer and he can say, "Hey, you can <laughs> oh, sense to be being rode." You can train um, any animal. I got, I got this. I got this. And I can now just throw up on screen as a as a gif. Um, I guess it's a little bit controversial. There are people that didn't want to admit necessarily that this was a black jockey. It's clearly a black jockey. I don't know where that. What? Uh, how, did, how would you? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, but I guess this isn't this isn't the first one they did. There's a another. I think it's. Hold on. I can. There's I can like six it. or seven of these. Yeah, so this is the racehorse one that they do admit is a black jockey. There's a the earliest one. Uh, I just grabbed it now. I you can like I, I like that you can do gifts in here and you can put the gifts on a uh, on as um like David Bowie with the the balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I still have that one, but uh, <laughs> that was never going away. Yeah, <laughs> you know the famous horse whisper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I will say this though, like we're seeing a resurgence in westerns. Like we have shows like yeah. oh there it is, yeah. So this so this uh, is uh it's an animation, yeah. Yeah. So th this is um the one that I guess people questioned. Like this this is the first one they ever did. This the first motion picture. It's called a, uh, the Horse in Motion, and this is the one they questioned. Like, well, can you really say that you know this is a uh you know a, a black man riding? It, I mean, I, it still looks like a like a black guy riding a horse. I'd say, but like. But I guess the more uh, the one that was used in in the movie is a later one. It's called. Um, they all have different titles. So so the first one was a horse in motion. I think the second one is, uh, I guess it's just Moybridge Racehorse. But um, yeah, this is the, this is the one they use for that. That clear that's clearly a black jockey on a horse. Yeah. But, um, you know, fun fact about these: uh, people didn't realize that uh, both feet left the ground when you run uh, until uh -huh. until these motion pictures came out, and they're like, oh my god. It's Horses can fly. <laughs> Why can't my horse fly? That's the legend of the Pegasus, really. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just, uh, you know, just fun fact that uh, uh, before these uh, movies came out, everybody thought, that, you know, when horses were running, one foot's always on the ground. Here's I just a... blew everybody's mind. Look at that. Here's, here's, here's we're a, speechless here's a... for a different reason than normal. <laughs> here's, a, um, here's a more controversial uh moy bridge um, piece of work that hold on it's uploading but yeah we but it's, it's gonna seeing, be it's gonna be worth it when it comes, when it comes we're seeing the resurges of the western <laughs> <laughs> you're right that was worth it that was am worth i ever gonna get get to say what i want to say no yeah no say <laughs> putting stuff up to the podcast listeners are gonna be totally baffled by what are they laughing at yeah it was, it was a centaur, race. everybody. Yeah. That's why that's funny. <laughs> but as I was saying, we're seeing a resurgence in westerns. I mean, unfortunately, there we do have like shows like Yellowstone, which are a hit. Clearly, my mom's like, "But there are black characters in Yellowstone." I'm like, "Yeah, but mom, I mean, it's still like predominantly white." Like, you know, she's like, "There's like one or two. I'm like, "That's still not like <laughs> diverse enough." I'm you like, don't get a trophy for that. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, "What's nope?" I'm like, "It's like a neo western sci fi film," and she's like what how do you make a sci-fi western i'm like add ufos cowboys <laughs> and aliens, cowboys aliens. <laughs> <laughs> which i wish was better because i i, I know I the comic was better yeah i mean it also kind of goes to show like you know the um i don't you know, want not, to answer that like, question not you know trying to invade <laughs> space chat. and privacy and whatnot too 
like the aliens are like, you know, they're they're like, you know, you're curious about us, but we're just, you know, we're just doing our thing. <laughs> we're hungry. You're trying to pull us by the whatever. And and I, well, I like I like that this movie doesn't really uh, treat it as like a, a complex like um like I'll, I'll play a video in the after party where they go through like the you know people's theories about like what the movie is really about like they do that every time Jordan Peele puts out a new movie where there's like it's people guessing like what the movie is going to be about and I like that it's not uh, like a colonial story necessarily I mean like you know like it treats the the alien as animal not as like a uh, metaphor for like a group of people or like indigenous mm-hmm. people or we're indigenous people and they're you know the invaders like the it's it's an animalistic metaphor and i like that about this movie i'm still trying to figure out what us is about i mean get out's pretty obvious yeah <laughs> it's like guess who's coming i, to I do think there forward. there's a lot of uh web web du bois had his famous theory of black double consciousness and uh when us came out in 2019 there were a whole bunch of essays that are like us and W.E.B. Du Bois's uh, theory of black double consciousness that, you know, by by definition, the black, uh, you know, the black psyche is turned into two different parts where one is is in a racialized, uh, you know, society where they have to play a certain role to um, navigate it with like an interracial uh, racial caste system. And the other part of it is like, you know, the, the natural um, intrinsically like, you know, amongst other black people version of it. And W.E.B. Du Bois like released a whole book about that. It was it was funny trying to explain like the Jordan Peele films to my mom because I was because she was like what was his first film about I'm like mom have you ever watched Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and she's <laughs> like yeah I'm like it's like that but like scary ish Guess <laughs> Who's Coming to <laughs> Dinner Wait, so well, Keanu me... wasn't his first <laughs> film huh Keanu the one about the gangster kitten. No. What, what show are you on? What, what what are you talking about? Like what? what is that Jordan Peele's first movie? Did did he not direct that one? Oh yeah, he did. He did. Uh, the it's the movie with him and he he might have directed it. I don't. I it was Key and Peele. Uh, it, it was like back whenever they were yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they they made a movie about a gangster a gangster ass kid. I watched. I didn't like that. Um, <laughs> that was not a good movie. Um, yeah. So here's a second part where they're talking about the Juke character to get us really back into the into the swing of this yeah, this after party shit <laughs> into i guess too much detail i think sometimes it's easier for you to be the projection everybody wants you to be than it is for you to Ooh. resist and fight that every day um if you're not if you're not like especially when you're that young going into it um that is so real and that's so much of my life as a child actor right yeah like to just (laughs) yeah you you don't see the patterns that you're just like intrinsically going into (gasps) i resist Um, yeah yeah i resist Uh, but but you also know that the resistance is painful so so then after a while how many layers and masks and shells are you living behind and um that was the it was weird because like some days i would come in to shoot jupe and i remember we just came in to do the photo shoot after we had finished Mm. and uh the day before i was like i'm so depressed right Mm. now like so sad and it wasn't like put upon me it was it was just like i was just like coming back in and i was like is it me or is it this person and i was like oh yeah like i'm entering into like 15 layers of like a bodysuit right now and i have to like control this thing 
um, when I'm usually just comfortable just like being here and not in that machine. Um, yeah, I, 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 I view Jupe in that way. And the nuances that you play in the scene where we're in that room um, and the music underlay that you put in the juxtaposition of what you're performing in the moment and what's actually happened in the past, yeah. it is so spooky and perfect Haunting. in so many ways because it's like, man, this dude is really struggling. You know what I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like really all there. Yeah. And and what's cool about everyone's character is that they're all conscious of it too. Mm -hmm. And they're wanting to kind of connect. I felt like M was like really trying to reach out also. And, and in being honest was also like rejecting the front of it too. Yes. You're like, you're lying to me right now. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, but I want, I want you inside. I'm curious, but you won't tell me. And she relates because she's performing. Yeah, yeah. There's all this. I love yeah, it. When I was watching it, like after the flashback, come on, flashback scene, and then, yeah. then it goes straight to you. That shot. Yeah, and I think that, I love that shot. Oh my, oh, hey. amazing. <laughs> and you just see your face, and then for me, I was always like, oh, he wants to be saved, but he doesn't know how to ask. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh. And then I was like, because I, I, I was like, because and that's always what you were saying about Emerald, like because you're just like there, and you're just not, and you're tucking something. Yeah, you know, you're tucking something, but you don't know how to. Yeah, it no. happened to you since you was a kid. Yeah, so you're just completely like continuing those patterns. But I saw that in your face, just when you did that uh, after that bit, and you're just looking, and your your missus takes you out, and then you you go off on right, one, and then right. your missus is the one that drags you back into your make believe. Like, this really, yeah, 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 yeah. I totally forget that he's English. Yeah, every single time it always gets <laughs> me. It's like, yeah, like oh, that happened with. Yeah, because that happened with the Judas and the Black Messiah for me too. I'm like, that dude's English, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I knew I, that and I forget still, it every time. Yeah, I still remember it because uh, Samuel Jackson got really upset that it was a British black guy <laughs> in Get Out, and he's like, he he's telling American black stories, and he's British, and that's a different thing. And it's like, dude, how like reductive can you really get with this description of who can play what characters? Like, are we really going to get to the point where you can only play the character of your race, nationality, like ethnicity? Like, are we going to get to the point where orientation? You know, people get, yeah, people get upset that you're playing like a, like a, a gay Nigerian guy, but you're like an American black guy or something like, yeah. is it, is it that much of a jump? Like, are we going to be that specific about <laughs> our casting now? It is called um, acting. After all, so. <laughs> Like I would get I it. If, like, I would get it if they remade Get Out with a white guy, but like, <laughs> yeah, well that. They should just have a British guy, like Pierce Brosnan on a horse. God, my mom, she knows I'm working right now. So, mom, lighten you up about Pierce Brosnan too. What's happening? <laughs> but like, um, you watch rags yet? No. It's it's so it's so good that uh you know his his uh Stephen Stephen Young's playing of of the character where he's you know he he's in that trance which he's great can I just can I just say real quick like did you guys see Minari? Yeah, he was great Minari's in that too. Great, yeah, yeah he, he, he's, he's mean, really good. Yeah, and he's playing a character what you would think would be like, and it's, uh, it, this is what's interesting about this film is like a lot of people think like this character would be portrayed by a white guy. Well, that would be the default. Yeah. That would yes, be like the default. default, like the huckster, trickster, like like <laughs> the con artist type of character. So yeah, like that. <laughs> Zach Efron. <laughs> All right, that's good. That's good. Yes, Continue yes. your thought. <laughs> no, but that I mean, like that's like you know that that type of character in a, in, a, in a stereotypical western is usually played by like some like white dude, some yeah. playing like a con artist who's doing a grift. 
uh, like a, you know, like a PT Barnum type of situation. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, there, then there's a moment where you realize how truly delusional this character is, is when he yep. invites them to the, uh, you know, he invites like the, the people he bought the horses from. We clearly want to buy the horses back and love the horses. Uh, he, he invites them to see him feed a horse to the alien, which is what he is presumably thinking he's doing. He's going to feed Lucky the horse that, you know, that that he's he said to him like this. That's is my absolutely second. what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, like, absolutely. Yeah. But like, he invites him to see his well. second best horse, which he says to him, this is my second best horse and i'd like to have a path to buying these horses back yeah um he invites him to the show where he's going to feed the horse to the alien and it's, it's it's in that moment that at first i was like you know this doesn't really make sense why would he and then it's like oh shit like he is so delusional and like uh you know through through the trauma i think like just um uh performative and uh you know obsessed with the spectacle that he's willing to like he just doesn't realize that like it's not something that could permeate those masks well and also like Again, we talked earlier about when we did the earlier clip with Stephen Yeun about like the fact, the idea that you know his character has is completely controversialized. His all people think of when they think of him as a person is they think about oh, is that 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 kid on the sitcom where the ape went crazy and like killed everybody, like and that's all he's known for. So what he's done is try to lay into that and like take the unwanted fame of uh, being associated with that. And like, also there's this like what kid sheriff show. Right. And then like turn that into, okay, well, if fuck it, if that's, if that's what people know me by, then I might as well make some money off of it. And like, you know, kind of try to make something for myself and recontextualize and reframe that. And I actually find that very identifiable because I think more and more uh, the idea is like, you know, everybody gets accidentally made into the story on, on Twitter every day. Right. But like, I think that, that, we have a type of celebrity that's just absolutely both fickle and like brutally relentless as well. And usually has nothing to do with people's feelings or aspirations or their creativity or art. And as an, as an example on a much like smaller scale, like putting my name in on my podcast and my band, that's not something that I did because I'm a raging egomaniac. I literally was made into the story over some stupid stuff. Now, at this point, nobody remembers because it was years ago. So I'm like, well, fuck it. If everyone's going to refer to me by name, then it might as well be like, this is my band. This is my podcast, et cetera, et cetera. And I think for the most part, we think we've internalized controversialization so much that we don't even think about it in terms of like, what are the longer lasting effects of that? Especially when you're trying to actually do something that's pulling away from whatever it is you're known for, or just trying to take it back for yourself. And I think that it's, very interesting that his whole thing, like he's never going to give those horses back. He's literally feeding the horses to the freaking alien, right? Because that's his way that he's like, he wants to achieve a level of fame, just like how they want to have their Oprah moment, right? Yeah. He wants to achieve a level of fame that gets him past being like the, the sitcom kid that, you know, where they went crazy. That's his sole goal more than anything else. He actually doesn't really even seem to care that it's an alien and that it's like, oh, that's kind of crazy, right? But it's sort of like, oh, no, you can now be the guy that literally discovered an alien and made and like made it into an entertaining show. Which and we his, all know, theory, which is insane, which is fucking insane. There's yeah. no way you're ever going to make a predatory alien into a show. There's no fucking way. But he is so lost in his own like world of like internalized trauma. And uh, honestly, like just been traumatized himself on a secondary level from being like defined as this thing. That's like one of the worst moments of his life. It's all he can think of. And it's completely unreasonable. And it's insane. Yeah. And anybody that's ever like dealt with a predator of any kind knows that. But the fact that like, He's just so tunneled down with it. I'm glad it isn't more explicitly stated because you can kind of just see that in his eyes and it allows him to like, he's a great actor. 
It allows him, remember when I was saying he's got the whole speech. Oh, Chris Kattan did the, the skit, which of course was fantastic. And like, it's like, you, there's nothing there when he's talking about it. He's all he's, all he's thinking about is his end goal. I, I and it makes it that, really surreptitious. I, I have to believe that, that there's a certain, wait, because you know, I'll just let you say this after this, but I, I don't know where else I'm going to fit this in. I have to believe that there's a certain part of this character that resonates with him too because of the whole Walking Dead. You know, I mean, Walking Dead obviously yeah. is one of the most famous shows most popular shows of all time and he was asked in the middle of doing press for this um hey like i know like nope's great blah blah blah. like are you gonna go back to walking dead when they have their finale and he was like no i've walked away from that like i'm done with walking dead it was a good experience but like i'm on to other things he was in a movie that almost won best picture minari like which which is amazing it's one yeah shout out to minari it's one of the best Glenn had his head you know skull cracked in and his eyeball popped out he yeah. ain't coming back from that. Which but I, exactly I, thought it was, I thought it was going to be really funny if, uh, you know, the thing opened up at the end and it's Negan and he jumps out with a baseball bat and he's like, <laughs> Oh, he's doing the boys. It's going to be great. He's like, You can laugh. You can cry. <laughs> they're like, Oh, fuck. I looked at Negan. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a really good point because because he actually, as an actor, was controversial as in a way it was what they call typecasting, right? So I think that's a very good point, and that's kind of like the, the that, that's all tied together. Christina, they also did a whole they also did a whole uh, gimmicky thing, which my mom reminded me about when we were watching this. Which is your is, name, Christina? Now, yeah, so. no, but like this is the last <laughs> thought about Walking Dead, and then I, I promise I'll shut up. Uh, my last thought about Walking Dead is they did the whole gimmicky thing for a season where they said, "Oh, is Glenn dead? Is he not dead?" And they yeah, had they really laid into it. Yeah, but exactly. like that has to be pretty traumatic with people because people got so into that show. I'd imagine that they were sending him like hate mail, being like, "Dude, fuck you. Are you alive or dead?" <laughs> yeah. That, that, before I jump the shark, uh, uh, Christina, I'm sorry. I, I, so the third there are, and, and, the, and he's not the first actor to take on a role, try to branch away from something that he's most well known for because as someone, I'm a Dan Stevens fan and we all know now Nabby when, when Matt, spoiler alert, Matthew gets killed off in season three because he wanted to do more things, film, different stuff. And I didn't realize he was on that show. Wow. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> Shows what I know. <laughs> even to, to this day, he gets asked in interviews, you know, why? Why did you have to leave Downton? Is Matthew coming back for a film? Like I'm like he pretty much he got into a car accident and died. Yeah, well, and, and like those people clearly haven't seen Legion, which is fantastic. He's done Legion. He's done The Guest, which to me I'm like, oh, that's a good film to discuss. Uh, he he's doing he's playing. Uh, oh God, uh, the guy that murdered Dorothy, the the pimp that more that murdered Dorothy Stratton, who helped create the Chippendales. Mm-hmm. that's coming out on hulu in, in like two months so i'm excited to see that so i'm like he's playing all these different characters he played a russian singer in the uh in eurovision yet they're like now let's talk about down abby and he got so much hate mail like he still gets hate for the even down and i'm like it's been like what 12 years since he's left yeah well, I mean, I think people, that that's... people really like Downton Abbey, though. I, I guess so. Well, yeah. oh, well, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, Ab- Abby's username is uh, is is Downtown Abbey, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so that's very timely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, that's typecasting, right? Which is a type of controversialization as well. Yeah, uh, and, and I think that that's. If you think of that as like, like I like that everybody's motivations are not very transparent, right? So it's it's sort of like you don't have like, well, I'm the guy that my dad died and I blah blah blah. Like you have to kind of figure it out. You have to work for it a little bit. Jordan Jordan Peele kind of trusts the audience to uh, 
to care and to kind of dig into it. And he, and he gives people something to think about. And in some cases never have resolution to like the shoe, which is like, why the shoe? Like what? Is, like when I first saw, when I saw it the first time I, I was like, is it an alien holding up the shoe? Was the alien like agitating the monkey? That's like the things I was thinking of. Like, I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe the alien was like, cause the monkey to go crazy. And I was like, no, no. It was, it was, I was like, <laughs> was will the shoe like be floating? What's going on here? I mean, and some, well, it's also, you're seeing it through the lens of an, un, uh, an unreliable narrator. Like, it's not like you're watching, yeah. you're not, it's not like you're watching the, the, the story That's actually, get, point. uh, you know, like filmed live, like you're watching his memory of the story and this really fucked up thing that happened to him. And, uh, you know, he ends it on that crazy note, which is, you know, they, they did the first exploding fist bump or whatever. And the monkey sticks his hand out and he's just, yeah. That reminds you, it reminds me at least of like police brutality, right? Like it, it's that yeah. incredibly traumatic, like cops come in and just blow away the, the chimpanzee and it's not the chimpanzee's fault. He went crazy. Yeah. As they say in the beginning, like these animals just sometimes have enough, like, and they don't respect that. Like Hollywood doesn't respect that. You know, there's a, there's a limit to what an animal can actually do before whatever amount of taming you, you've managed to do for it, like just goes away. Like sometimes animals just freak out and it's the same thing kind of with the alien. I mean, there's less, uh, a lot less, um, you know, a lot less sympathy, I think, for the alien than I have for, like, a, a chimp that goes wild. The alien was... Animals and aliens, they have more in common than you think. They both easily get spooked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other interesting thing, too, was uh, with that with that uh, monologue that Stephen Yoon had, um, you also kind of see it, uh, you know, mirrored in a way or, or um, echoed or, or rhymed, uh, I guess you could say, uh, with, with uh, M's speech, uh, you know, whenever she does the speech where she quotes verbatim what her uh, father would say, which right. you don't quite realize until later on, uh, because she she made that correction because she 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 forgot to add the extra grade in there. <laughs> and Keith David too. Can we just give a shout out to Keith David? Yes, like, small underused role, like, in this film, yeah. but he was still phenomenal. The the, the yeah. thirty seconds he was on screen. Well, also, not Don under Mills? not under talked about in this clip that I have right here. But oh yeah, you got one. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like that in this clip they heavily feature uh, his his role in They Live because of when we cover They Live. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of airtime on that when we cover that show. I, I was watching the uh, I was I was watching the, the the honest trailer they did for this, and they introduced Keith David as the, he uh, he don't they don't live or whatever. <laughs> well done. That's very clever. I mean, he is iconic, um, and and he is, you know, he was uh, in some of the great genre films uh, of all time. I think the thing, John Carpenter's the thing, was his first, and he went on to do They Live. He's he's, it, it, the the character has so much gravity that uh, in that presides over the entire film. Um, that I needed somebody that spoiler spoiler alert in a short amount of time um, could cast that gravity. And he is that presence. He is that guy where you feel like, you know, I know him and he is in charge. So, yeah, he's a magnificent and such a nice guy. Jordan, do you remember that day when he just started singing? <laughs> Were you there? Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, you mean in scene? In the scene. Yeah. No, he just started, like, he started breaking into song. I think he was waiting for a take and he just started breaking into song. I mean, it was like Oklahoma. The whole song, though. Like, the whole song. Yeah, like, wow. And then he's so stopped. funny. And uh, and he's the voice of uh, Goliath and Gargoyle. Mm. Come on, Gargoyle! Uh, you want to bring him It's it's funny with Keith David because I remember I went to like a brunch somewhere in LA and I saw him there prior to this movie and I was just like, 
damn, Keith David's here? I was like, yo, man, I'm somewhere. And then uh, like when I saw that he was in the film, I was like, man, this is crazy, man. It's crazy. <laughs> One time I met Keith David long ago at an awards ceremony. After, after an awards ceremony, I went up to and went to a big fan, big fan, man. Do you have any advice for a young aspiring actor? And he said, yeah, whatever they ask you to do, you tell them one thing. Show me the money. You, sir. Good. Yeah, I, I, sir. I quit acting shortly. Yeah. After. <laughs> He's no right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's badass. Also, um, so, like, soap legend Donna Mills uh, is in this film as well. She's eighty-one years old. Oh, is she the one in the in the commercial? Yep. Still looks pretty uh, good. I thought she looked familiar. Okay. Yeah. When I found out she was a nope, I was like, oh, wow. I can't believe it. Look at her doing something mainstream besides Knott's Landing. Good for her. 81, still kicking it. Uh, yeah. That, and I mean, Keith Dave is great, obviously. We, we don't need to get into why Keith's great. He's fantastic. Um, I, I just think it's amazing, like, so many small parts of it uh, make a make a bigger hole like like little things like um like when they go to angel's place you know he's wearing like a wipers t-shirt and like uh, uh yeah. kiki wears the um the g lizard shirt there's like a mr bungle shirt there's an earth shirt like it's sort of i believe me as as the resident rocker of the uh <laughs> of, of the show i was like yes 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 you, the you're, you're like leonardo dicaprio yeah yeah i was like ah look like it's the thing um and that was uh this guy, I think, um, well, Jordan had uh, some suggestions for it too, but like uh, this is this guy, this one fellow, the costume designer, Alex Boviard. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he also worked on um, uh, White Lotus and uh, True Detective and, and things like that. And Ooh, like they I can't just, wait for White Lotus. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, they wanted to actually like show that he was kind of like, kind of like cool but sort of stuck in time as well which is hilarious to have all these like sort of like you know very famous in the 90s uh sort of bands and and i guess like jordan uh, peele and um the other guy are all like the same age like listen to a lot of music i went to those shows so like you get to kind of as a shorthand kind of find out like what kind of guy he is that it's like all of these like uh you know 90s alt rock um you know, kind of Nirvana adjacent bands uh, to a certain degree. And then also by the same token, I love the fact that like, like, first of all, that Jesus lizard shirt now is like back in circulation from the actual band and making a good amount of money for um, some really freaking awesome musicians. But like, just like the fact that people are like, Oh, that's a real cool. Yeah. That's a cool design. Awesome. Like bootleggers originally started putting them out of, because of course they did, but to have like, that sort of culture which was you know the 90s subculture in the way that like when people think of 80s music what they're talking about it's 80s pop you know they're not talking about like bands like the Minutemen or like who's or anything along those lines they're talking about 80s pop and it's a shame which is fine i you know i love like stuff like the cars and like blondie and stuff like that but like the thing is that stuff was at a very different level and was was already popular and so the idea when people think of like 90s music what tends to be remember are like the famous bands and to have like the working bands that actually were um, you know, uh, high quality, but not necessarily on that same level of fame and have them represented in a movie like what, like 30 years later. Awesome. Very awesome. And the fact that it's also personally to my sensibilities and tastes also makes it great. But, uh, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> All I'm saying is, uh, any and all production designers that want some Kona Neutron the Secret Friend shirts for the next movie or TV show, give me a call. Um, <laughs> but it, it's 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 fabulous. It's it, this is another example of like the fabulous shorthand that is in this film of just like not telling you like, well, this is so and so. They like this and this and that, and they have these goals and they want to do like it. It instead of telling it to you that way, it shows you on the screen in a way that you can like pick up for yourself. Like you don't, you don't ever need to worry about, Oh, you know, was the Keith David's character like loom large in their lives. Like nobody said it. Well, it's like, of course he fucking did. And you can tell just by like how they react like, to his absence and to like the void that's left by it. And like, you have like OJ's whole arc of like, you know, wanting to continue on the legacy, but not really being built for it in the same way. And it's, it's fantastic that it's just shown rather than being like, Hey idiot, here it is. Here's all the, here's, here's the, 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 the pop-up video. Exposition <laughs> jump. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like as much as I love it, the, uh, the, the Dune, like 20 minute explainer of like, all right, here's all the, here's all the stuff you need to know. What's it like, Oh my God. Shoot. Narrated by Keith David. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd be for that. I'd be for that. I, he, you know, that man could read a phone book. I'd be down with it. <laughs> Same thing with Michael Wincott. I just want to, you know, throw that in there. Oh um, yeah, let's get to Michael Wincott in a second. First... Of of uh, Purple People Eater was just it was amazing. So so Stevie yeah. uh, for the podcast, folks. Eighties music is the best, and modern music sucks. Person who can't name a scratch acid song. Also, that, that that's one thing that pisses me off about people who were around in the eighties who had Annie Lennox and Prince and all these other like non-gender conforming type of singers, and they can't understand yeah. trans or non-binary today. I'm like, where? Oh, are they you? can understand it. They can. They just How? don't care. I just yeah, yeah. They, they just they, they just don't give a shit. And also, like, when it comes to like wearing different t-shirts and stuff like that, Conan, if you maybe. I could hook you up because I'm friends with the guy who was featured on Stranger Things wearing my, uh, my, uh, the high school, the shirt that, that, uh, from the high school that I went to. And he was also featured in She Hulk a few times. Well, fantastic. And I, and I guess if I, if it wouldn't be rude as hell, like I, I guess I could hit up Katie too, who literally does that as their yeah. job. But <laughs> I can tell you what, there's two t shirts that won't be on there because we're out of them after this last tour. Oh, we got. But, we still gotta try to get. Whenever we do cover, don't worry, worry, darling. That'll be a fun episode. I really want to see it. I actually had an idea that we were gonna try to see it on tour while we're out, and then I realized, oh, that's like, I think it was like, like Missoula to Boulder. Uh, no, sorry, Missoula to Casper. But even still, it was like, like no, we're driving that entire day. But I was like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to like see like a movie like that in Casper, Wyoming, or something? Yeah. But we, we did not do that. We went to like a weird artisanal pizza place instead. But I digress. Yeah. Let's talk about Michael Wincott because yes. I love his cinematographer character. I mean, yes. he's to me, he's like what, um, Antlers was his name. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that's it. Yeah, it, like I, people are used to seeing him as like movie villain guy with a raspy voice you know, like in all of the things that he is and he's fantastic at it. Right. Oh, absolutely. But what I love about this is he shadowed the real DP to like, learn like how to, how to do that stuff. And the real DP was also the one who did let the right one in. A lot hmm. of people don't know that. So like, he actually like, didn't just, you know, learn the lines, but he actually, you know, wanted to like, see like what a director of photography actually looks for and and kind of like low-key like <laughs> learned enough about the trade to like fake it which i think is fantastic because the and, first and, time you see him on the commercial you're like oh that guy's interesting what's that guy all about and then you're like kind of think he's a throwaway character and like oh no he's like integral to the story no yeah and then, then like in his performance with that that first phone call 
like like when he yeah. speaks like like it was very much like keith david like like when keith david speaks you shut you up know. and listen yeah, um, you and know so, yeah. and you listen Yes, and, and, and like, like the funny thing is, is like, like two of his big movies from the '90s, which was uh, Robin Hood and uh, Three Three Musketeers. Um, mm-hmm. He he was like put opposite of like Alan Rickman and Tim Curry, just like sucking right. all the air out of the room. Where like right. he needs a little space to breathe, and he's he's quiet. It kind of comes in, yeah. and we'll we'll just just draw you into his voice, and you'll just be hanging on every word and listening to exactly all the rasp. And he pauses. <laughs> and, and like, you can't do that with Tim Curry. Like, you know, sitting there being like, oh, I'm Tim Curry and I'm French. You yeah, know? yeah. It's, it's, uh, he's yeah. a guy that benefits in a performance from having space, which this is, uh, um, yeah. and the crow, movie has an which, which is a great, you know, yeah. uh, what was a great movie? He, he gets, uh, he gets those moments to actually breathe like that, even though he's, uh, he's supposed to be the over the top villain. Right. Well, I mean, he, he, there's different ways to do over the top. Too. Yeah, no, I no. Mean, his about that crow remake, though. <laughs> well, so yeah. What's happening? They're remaking the crow now. Yeah, they're remaking the crow. Bill Skarsgård is uh, currently uh, uh, cast. Sure. Um, you know, before that was uh, uh, Aquaman, um, Jason Momoa. So, so uh, which I think I think uh, Bill Skarsgård is a better choice, but Jason Momoa yeah. has a good attitude. But you know, none of them are. You're biased. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, I mean, like, Jason Momoa, like Jason Momoa would be. No, no, would be Jason terrible, Momoa. But. Well, I mean, the thing is, is, is the Crow was based on Iggy Pop, and and Jason yeah, Momoa is yeah. not built like Iggy Pop. But Jason Momoa yeah. has like a certain kind of attitude that I think that that, that fits the Crow. Um, Bill Skarsgård's just... a much better actor, you know. Like, like yeah. you know, you hire Jason Momoa to be Jason Momoa. You oh, don't, you know, he, he might he might be a good actor too. But like it's still like through that 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 chamber of Jason Momoa, whereas Bill Skarsgård disappears into the part. So you know, there's there you know we're seeing also speaking with the resurgence in what in the Western genre, we're also seeing a bit of a good resurgence in in horror because there's been a lot of good horror films that have come out. Pearl, Barbarian, like I'm like oh my god, there's so many films I have to watch now. Yeah, I haven't yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen any of those. I haven't seen X either. I'm I I'm kind of I'm behind on the. I mean, the last horror movie I really loved is probably Get Out. Honestly, like they're like, well, really, really not. which is, I, I haven't seen it. So, oh, look at that, look at that shocked face. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I know there, there, I've got others that like, it's I, a good well, slasher film. Well, I want, no, I watched that. Let's see. I watched Freaky, which was like, uh, uh the, that was pretty good. Vince, too. Vince Vaughn and the, um, yeah, I mean, like what we talked about this in the after party, but like, I'll, I'll get around to them, but I don't seek them out like I used to basically. Um, but I, I'm interested in like all the ones you mentioned. I'm like, oh yeah, that, like I got that in my watch list. That sounds interesting, you know. Um, I think getting back to the movie we're talking about now, no, I thought the usage of like the what do you call them, like the, the inflatable, like ooh, those things, yeah, like, yeah, what, what the, it, oh, the D's, those things, yeah. Do those things actually have a name? But, but I like that as a as like the detection system for where the yeah. alien is, is. It's- until oh, I jumped on, until I jumped back on, they were behind you guys when you were talking. About <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, they're, they're, exactly. Because they take those, because of those, like those things. Yeah, like the <laughs> for the podcast listeners, half of the cast is gyrating around like those weird little Muppet-looking things. Uh, but but the idea of because like, they because the alien, of course, affects electricity. And since it affects electricity, to know where it is, you need to be able to see which one of those are going and which one's not. I thought that was really clever as a 
I will call it a MacGyver-esque detection system, right? To find out where, the, where this alien is. And and do we get in the daytime too? So like lights wouldn't work. Yeah, you right, have to have something exactly. that's that that's that you can see uh, during the daytime in the desert. Yep. yep. I always and assumed it, I always assumed it was the the Family Guy bit where he was like uh, wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube men, <laughs> wacky inflatable arm flailing tube men. <laughs> I always thought that's what they were called. Yep. So so does Stevie. I I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, I don't know what they're called, but obviously, I, remember, I saw that. Out. I immediately thought of "It's Always Sunny Philadelphia" with these dancing. <laughs> the gang buys a boat. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, I, w- one thing I really liked a lot too about this film is it isn't um, it wasn't immediately spoiled by like just people being incredibly inconsiderate or meme culture, which you know I I love as well, but I think has a tendency to sort of like go too far with something that's like unique storytelling. That's like, yeah, not everyone gets a chance to see something on like the first day that it's out. Right. And it doesn't owe a lot to previous movies either. Like it doesn't know it. Like it isn't scream poisoned. You know what I mean? When I say scream poisoned, I like the movie scream, but I feel like so many movies decided that like, Oh, we'll do a scream. It will be like, sort of like, you know, ha ha, check it out. We're doing the thing now. All right, cool. You're doing the thing. Great. It's, it's been uh, described a bunch as a uh, Jordan Peele's version of like a Spielberg movie and not in totally. the way that it's, it's um you know, anything specifically about it, yeah. but like the way that it's kind of this. Big, it's not like super uh, eight. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a giant, I mean, it's a giant multi-layered, like multi genre bending uh, predator blockbuster genre waving maybe (laughs) wacky george wacky jordan inflatable arm flailing too that is a fun gag though i like that the uh (laughs) the the after party picture that i have is the tube man and and jordan peele standing side by side and it says i thought you're gonna say this christina and i going like that i know it's gonna say you're really on it But but yeah, like but, but you know what I mean that like I, I like that it it feels you know I know we're not even final thoughts or anything yet, but like I like that it feels original and unique for that. And it's not irony poisoning. And it's not um it's not done in such a way that it owes so much of it to things that have come before. Which which I don't um at least uh I, I it's not that I'm against stuff like that. Right. I mean, obviously, like I'm very I still haven't seen it because it came out, I think, while we were on tour. But I want to see the last season. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube splasher. I'd watch that. Yeah. Someone's killing, up. Someone just keeps murdering our wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube. No, it's, it's the wacky waving inflatable flailing tube with a knife. Oh, he is the, oh the, the tube guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah like somebody's like fireworks at the Fourth of July. They're like creeping through a house, and all of a sudden, like one of them just pops up with a knife. And or, or no, it's it's an A twenty four lit um like parking lot. You know when they have like yeah. the cool parking lot thing, and then all of a sudden you see the shadow, and the shadow is arms moving like this. It, it's like a. Like... I, I feel like the kill scenes would look like uh, drunken master kung fu because there's gonna be a lot of movement. <laughs> You know, it's gonna be like, well, what's happening? No, I'm dead. If if I was if I was directing, what a surprising I would, outcome. I would I would cut between uh like like really close up to the flailing inflatable arm flailing two men like like really like, close surprise! up and the person themselves. So it was like you know it's like a, a thing of murder. So it's moving like this really fast, and then you see like a, a, a jarring like it's actual like arms kind of jarringly moving, and then blood kind of spurt across the screen, Thank and that's how I would do one of those. Yeah, I, I, I will be, uh, <laughs> I okay, need to help write correct movie scripts. 
Send a super you... chat so we can fund this movie. I guess they were just giving away these ideas for free. I know. I'm sitting here doing the uh, the storyboards right now. Okay, so there you go. Coming up soon. Uh, yeah. So I guess getting back getting back to the film, I like what Michael Wincott's character gets out of it, which is you know like oh real shit, you know like it's, it's like where he's like sick of you know and, he, and it seems like his character does like the you know what what the one one for me one for them kind of kind of deal because uh, he's an artist and you see him like working on like some crazy like black and white like you know hunters and hunters and killers in the jungle like uh animation not animation like a film filmatic documentary, documentary of some kind and we yeah. don't know what it is but you can see tell like he's doing it because he loves it and then she has the idea of like, oh yeah do you want to want to film something that's literally never been filmed before and he's like fuck yes i do let's go and well he actually he's he's a harbinger like he he feels like a harbinger role during that conversation but only for himself because they're talking to him on the phone and he's like listen you don't want to get the impossible shot like he's like it's oh it's, and he totally does yeah yeah exactly. and he's like he's like it's dangerous on top of that mountain and then as soon as he gets the impossible shot it's only him that goes up the mountain and is yeah. like yeah this is too beautiful for us we don't deserve this yeah. <laughs> which deserve i i have to say though there is a certain level of me as someone that does like you know filmmaking and like takes my camera around sometimes you get like a really good shot and it's almost like i can see like being like this this art is so beautiful and it's like filmed so well that like we don't deserve this as a human race. We don't deserve this once in a, in a lifetime uh, thing. We're kind of, we're selfish. Like, you know, we, like we, we don't deserve the impossible shot. Let me just climb up the mountain and get sucked up. And I love that. He's still trying to get the shot as, as yeah, he's, as he's, as he's, as he's so. trying to take the perfect selfie. <laughs> I mean, I, up, I'll, up, I'll, <laughs> I'll say this, all of like the videos of, uh, my band playing that are on the internet. They're, they're first of all, they're rarely the really good ones, but they're definitely not the transcendental ones. Those are for some reason never on even the age of the cell phone. They're they're never captured. And like in a way, I kind of like that because that is something that is only there as a moment for the people that are experiencing it. And I find that very beautiful, and I find that actually encouraging. Um, and it's not that like I'm against people filming or whatever. It's just it's hilarious. It's almost universally like, oh yeah, that show is only mediocre. You're oh not good, like on the Patty Lapone, who like freaks out at the one night during a performance of, of the musical Gypsy, where uh -huh. someone got their cell phone out. It's like 2008, and she literally stopped the show. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, the horse horse left the barn, so to speak, on that one. Like people are gonna video whatever they want to video. I mean. I, I don't love seeing people like like this like phone out like the whole time like that kind of bums me out but that's what, what happened when I saw Suicide Squad everyone just had their phones out within the first two minutes just uploading it to free movies with four Z's dot com mm -hmm. <laughs> one two one two three free movies dot com um I I I do like though and, and I didn't notice this until I actually cut that video essay together. Um, how many times they reference it when the weird TMZ guy shows up? And oh yeah, he, he, and it's like, what the TMZ fuck guy. is this guy? And uh, the first time I watched it, I don't know, like if my brain just processed it backwards. I guess it did. All the lights went out, you know what I mean? And you watched all like the lights go out one by one. It almost felt like you were watching floodlights or like I, at first, the first time I watched it. I don't know. I was kind of confused about that, and then I realized like, oh shit! Like so, the lights are all going out one by one. That makes sense. And uh, but for that guy just to show up and you think he's really sinister and then he pulls out the camera and he's like, um, <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, yeah so just... what, what did happen over there on Jube's Corners? He's like, don't you want to be on TV? And for that weird, like vacuous moment, which is not even like a realistic thing, I don't think. But like this obsessive, like, where's my camera? And I, and I, and I put that into the, you know, 
the the essay that I did for this. But he's like, where's my camera? And he's like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And he's like, where's my camera? And there's this disconnect, number one, but also like the, the fixation on the eyes, right? Like throughout that entire yeah. thing where he's like, eyes up here, eyes up here. And he's like, I need my camera. My can did you get that on video? Did you get that on video? And like there's that conversation is so disjointed and weird and delightfully so. Like, like I, I like the writing in it, but like it is uh, it's like the and most that distortion in his voice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, makes it kind of like um, I don't know. This is the one moment I guess where they kind of uh, hit you over the head with the that I guess that moment and when he actually uh, when Jupe actually introduces a thing and he's like, my family saw an absolute spectacle, and <laughs> like there's that word again. But th- those two, but again yeah. that's that's him attempting Take a shot every time spectacle. Right. <laughs> right. I'll do, yeah. But the, uh, this is one of two beers that left with Milwaukee for, with me. And made it all the way back because uh, we gave uh, some of the new Glarus to uh, McCluskey, which is only available in Wisconsin. But these actually, we <laughs> can't. Beers, this beer traveled 5,000 miles uh, to, to be here. And I, I would know. walk 500 <laughs> <laughs> Again, but so imagine, okay, because I'm going to take that little offhanded thing and say, like, imagine if, like, that's all you were known for. Oh, yeah, 5,000 miles, like that song, right? And you desperately yeah. wanted to be known for Getting something else. Juice. Uh, the, uh, you know, Proclaimers Boulevard, the uh, the new theme park that's, that's opening up on. <laughs> but that's why when he says, like, you know, like when he invokes, like, the uses of the spectacle, what he wants is something that's going to be big enough. Oh, well, this is going to be very confusing for you. He'll be sorry. <laughs> uh, what he wants is something that's big enough to distract away from the other things that are controversializing. It. <laughs> and I think, I think that that's... Um, Again, and the hubris of being. I put like, oh. I put a GoPro on my uh, wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man, and I just let him, <laughs> just let him go. Let it, let it go. <laughs> he let never it go. gets the shot that I wanted. He should know by now. The footage is unusable. <laughs> Looks I'm like the Blair to, Witch Project. I'm about to fire my wacky inflatable arm flailing tube man. <laughs> he is a terrible cinematographer. Shove this firecracker up your wacky. <laughs> because <laughs> that's what they're known for to promote like the ca- car shows and like yeah and, and I thought they were known for their cinematography is that not the case <laughs> <laughs> Alfred, certainly, Alfred certainly feels like I in the 2000s down the road been... from a store that has one of those 24 7 i'm like oh god now once i started once i saw no but I, we went by it i was like there's the wacky <laughs> it's uh it's the, the famous filmmaker uh you know alfred Coop tubecock you know He's uh, <laughs> he's known for getting some of the weirdest shots in my <laughs> just Yeah, I hear he's doing the next board movie. This is this is classic after party material. I know. Uh, <laughs> but again, the audacity of him just thinking like, oh, you guys are about to see like something incredibly special. You're going to see like a spectacle, right? Like that. And, and like, again, come from his position of like, whether he even admits it to himself or not, he needs something to transcend why he is famous, why he has like this park. Notice that in the park, there's like, like outside of the museum, there's nothing about the TV show there at all. There's just like that, like that movie where like, he's like the kid sheriff or whatever, uh, which has that great. Well, which is totally a yeah, Chekhov's well. <laughs> that it's introduced in the first act, right? <laughs> that ends up being like she uses it to spoil alert people. I don't know why you're watching this if you haven't seen it, but she ends up getting mm-hmm. the shot by you know putting the coin in and, and, and making the old school. 
Uh, oh my god, Con, I can't believe you revealed the whole story. I know, God, how terrible of me. Which, by the way, I, I, I want to uh, admire Andy's restraint for not immediately invoking the Akira motorcycle slide, which is utterly bad. That, that, that scene actually, like, it actually kind of pissed me off for a moment because, like, it's overused, which I love. I love it in Akira. <laughs> But mm. but like yeah no it's just it just done else and it was just like oh come on you know which is a great slide don't get me wrong you know but like Zuwaki waving inflatable arm flailing new <laughs> new wave cinema <laughs> glad Godard didn't have but a, yeah no the the uh, the Kira slide is is like uh, overdone in in comics so you know which I, this I, is uh, not in fact a comic you understand that right this is a movie. What? Andy Andy only sees things in the in the still slides. So he, <laughs> he, he only looks at the storyboards. It's crazy. <laughs> he has to put together the movie. He's like, I know what happened. I, I read the movie. I watched the movie. I read the movie. Oh fuck. Yeah, th- that's how movie, I watched the book. You he read the movie. <laughs> read the movie. I, I took the, the screenplay. I looked at the, the the storyboard and I matched them up. And that's you know I, I watched it. I'm good. I'm good. I watched myself do that. <laughs> So, um, like, but yeah, but again, like, the other, that the is, other Chekhov's gun is is the uh, big inflatable jupe, right? That like kind of harkens back to like the Muppet movie, like where you like see like kind of looming over like the rest, like the Western town and everything. But I think it's well done in the fact that it isn't it isn't utilized as like the MacGuffin to like like to do to do the thing for both those. Just like they're very important to the story, and they're both spectacles of their own kind. But it isn't like explicitly stated as such. Yeah. Well. And I think that the B plot to this movie, which is like the entire jupe part of it, like um, at first you're like, all right, like that's the neighbor. Like, I don't really get, you know, why he's included in the storyline. But you realize like the the most, I think, uh, I guess, in the veins version of this type of spectacle, like the most uh, like selling you directly an experiential um, rather than a, uh, you know, rather than uh, selling your services or something with your horses or like any other really job, like selling you an experience more than selling you um, a product. You, it makes perfect sense that which somebody, he certainly did. Like, yeah, you got, y'all got eaten up by an alien. No one's ever experienced give you the that. Craziest, yeah. The craziest, well, the hikers did at the beginning, yes. I guess. Like what, what, wait, what did, what did he, what did he say? <laughs> they got to see that like, for free. The hikers at the beginning got to see that for free. So in his talk up, he says something about like, in one hour's time, you will be changed. Boy, ain't that the truth. <laughs> and then the alien, that alien digest everything but uh, the alien yeah. shows up early and he can't break that showman character and he's like well this is weird the uh yeah. the alien showed up uh, an hour early you know there's <laughs> nothing it, i guess it's here but like you know it didn't eat me before so i guess it's not gonna eat me now let me look, look right up into it <laughs> yeah i mean like and that but that's the whole thing of like him no, thinking no. that he he's got it all figured out right and he's got it all figured out without even realizing like like any ideas of like why this thing hunts and eats the way that it does, or even thinking about it. always thinking about is this is going to be the thing that makes everyone forget about Gordy's home. And, and that, and like, I, I'm surprised there hasn't been more like think pieces about that, but there's a lot to like unravel here. There's a lot to parse and, and so I got it. I mean, there's some scenes you could just be like showing like a cinematography class. I mean, like look like when like the blood's coming down on the, on the house and stuff like that. It's like, Oh my God, that's like a million horror movies should rip that off. Cause it's a great effect. 
And and also, I really love the uh, the drone shot where it's over the entire. I mean, first of all, it's over all of the wacky inflatable arm flailing tube, man. <laughs> like that, but but the drone shot following him, like tracking yeah. him down that entire yeah. thing, and he has the flags behind him, and that moment of like ultimate triumph, kind of where he jumps off the horse and he jumps into the barn and, and he's done it. Like he's really. Fig- and then of course, you know, there's the immediate letdown of the guy being like, "I told you, you shouldn't have done this." Going up the, yeah. the mountain with his camera, but like. I, I think that that's but uh, that's like an Indiana Jones moment, but it's like it's it's not done in a way that's like referential to Indiana Jones, but it's like that kind of like yeah, mm. and then and then like yeah, it's immediately undercut. Like I, I feel like though that every one of these kinds of movies, like I, I don't feel like it ripped any movie specifically off at all, but like I feel like all of these movies kind of have the sacrificial character, like a lot of times that like mm-hmm. is willing to just like. Well, you think it's gonna be Angel? You'd be like, oh, he's he's like, he's gonna get got. He's the first. Yeah. One. Because <laughs> it's like, and, oh, uh, <laughs> and that was another that was another really amazing moment where he starts to look up and then the thing covered like it's almost like uh, he's almost compared to like the lucky horse, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the horse literally named Lucky, but uh, it's kind of like incredible when the thing blows over him and covers his face. So you know he, he kind of is an angel, like he can't, you know, because he is going to get like sucked up into the alien and then it covers his face at the last minute. And you're like, oh, thank God, because that kid's annoying as fuck. But like, I like him too. <laughs> he like went out of his way during that whole uh thing and, and like I, I have a couple clips of him for the after party or whatever but like he went out of his way to be like i'm not that character i'm not that character and i'm like no you you th- this entire 25 minute conversation you sound like that character <laughs> well and it's it's the character that's like the friend who's like functional and unuseful and it's kind of low-key annoying, but not so much that you want to get away from him you just kind of want to mitigate the exposure a little bit oh yeah sounds like me <laughs> i would i would not put you in that category yeah i would i wouldn't either but uh so i have i have one more clip to watch before we do uh if you, if you want me to name names subscribe and listen to the after party there you go <laughs> send us a super chat I, ask I, us don't the questions. I don't have any names for that <laughs> send us a super chat ask conan uh for some names to talk trash apparently that's really what i'm asking for <laughs> this genre as you know it's like black people have a very some 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 very pretty simple rules and there's just certain things that are just gonna make us go nope done out i'm gone but y'all can handle this but i'm nope i'm gonna be nope i'm be noping over there i kind of like that it was like i've never seen this before i don't know what it is and i always lean in when i'm like i don't know what this is i want to make sense of this but i, I can always feel if if the director is passionate about it if they understand it, if they feel it on different. So that's was the beginning of the conversation because, oh, this is quite hard to get your head around. And then we just kept on having conversations and kept feeding the script and having conversations about the script continuously for a couple of months. You know, when you're working with great artists, when they aren't forcing their specific individual vision onto any one person and even the project at large. I think the most impressive thing about Jordan is that he allows the story to kind of uh, find itself and for it to express itself. And he's kind of open to where it kind of pushes him here and there. And so it was really fun building Jupe and um, playing him because, you know, our, our intentions would change minute by minute. Um, not because we were uncertain, but we just kind of had to see. And then as we saw more, we kind of, you know, molded here and refined there. And it just kind of became this larger thing. And so to kind of be welcomed into a very collaborative environment like that is um, 
is a huge blessing. So I'm, I'm very thankful. They're the best. Black American iconography. Let's go. Jordan is a beast. And I appreciate what he does uh, for our culture across the board and just giving us these beautiful, you know, pieces of representation. So to get the opportunity to wear my fro in this movie, I'm just like, hey, what you mean? Woo. It just means so much to me. And, and on all different accounts, I'll say with this character, like aside from my physical look, also the the kind of, of, of chick I get to play, you know, it's, it's the kind of character that I feel like usually only guys get to play. You know, to me, she's so cool. She's fearless. She doesn't take herself too seriously. But at the same time, she has edge and she is just a really dope character that I really am just so excited and, and lucky that I get a chance to play. But that also she exists, period, in general, on screen. We That's true. Really great character. And very, and very Kiki dope. Palmer absolutely kills it in this movie. So um, good. I mean, the little cast is great, but she's absolutely one of the, like... She's, she evolves, I think, more than any other character because at the beginning, she's kind of like, you know, I mean, of, of course she doesn't want it. She wants to work on her own project. She doesn't want to keep continue her dad's uh, her, her dad's legacy the same way that, you know, um, someone like uh, like OJ, who, literally, I mean, literally is, you know, Otis Jr. Like, he's, <laughs> he has the name, the name and the, and yeah. the legacy. Um, you know, for, for her to kind of feel like at first, like she's, uh, you know, not really like with, with that, uh, job, I guess she's like, this is my side, like, this is my side hustle. Like, you know, all these other things that I want to be doing are, you know, my main project. Um, like for, so for that to be, uh, for her to evolve, I guess Christina's internet might've gone out, but, um, for, she was adopted. She, she just got eaten by an alien. Uh, <laughs> she, Christina. Yeah. Her internet, her internet went out. Yes. Um, but like, so for her to evolve from uh, this this character, that's um, like for her to evolve from this character, that's kind of just feels like, oh, I don't really want to be <laughs> involved in this, and like I don't really care about like like this is my dad's thing, like this isn't my thing. To someone who's so committed and so um, she's there for her brother, and she you can tell she really cares, and uh, you know everybody can kind of feel that feeling of almost being like the fuck up sibling in the eyes of your other siblings. You know what I mean, like. Um, Christina said she'll probably be good in five minutes, but like the fuck ups, like you know, the other siblings are like the ones your dad takes with with him to go to the, all of these movie jobs and doesn't really take your uh, advice. I mean, you know, your uh, input or your uh, skills that seriously, and like still still wants you there as a worker, but like doesn't actually like embrace you the same way that he does the son. That he's like, this son's going to continue on yeah. my legacy if you know if I if I die of old age or something and live forever and so for her to kind of fully embrace uh this role where she really is the one that ends up um act i mean spoiler alert like turn it off like for her to be the one that, that actually thinks why are you even plan. watching us you know we spoil the hell out of every movie we did <laughs> but but like for her to be the one that actually comes up with the plan in the end that actually defeats the alien like for her to fully embody that right. and uh you know he doesn't actually like oj kind of comes back and gets and to be the symbol too <laughs> So like it just it feels like a a journey that you're watching for a character that you didn't think that you're going to be watching that journey for when you met them in the beginning like you thought like it feels like yeah. they're going to be the kind of the sidekick slacker character and it's like oh no like they're the uh you know the heroine of the movie like they're they're the one that actually um is smart enough and uh you know cunning enough i mean not that you know not that oj isn't but like uh to actually defeat this in the end and they're the one that they're the only one that can actually take this on head on and like realize that you know there's this thing here that they could just send up into the sky and and you know the alien will, will see the the eyes and like for that to be her final destination i guess within this is is incredible 
Well, and they fill in each other's blanks too. Like, like where each of them have uh, skills that maybe they lack or don't, maybe just don't excel in. They fill that in for each other. And it's very, it's very cool to see because when it starts off, you like, like, oh, are they going to be like at a court? You know, are they going to be discordant with each other? Are they, are they going to be like at loggerheads or something? But no, they end up being like absolutely intrinsically like yin and yang <laughs> for like left, right brain, introvert extrovert functionality uh to be able to pull it all off which is which is great to see and it, it, it's very earned it's earned in a way that um you know lesser film may not be able to pull off frankly yeah but i mean even even like like filling in each other's blanks i guess like a lot of times it's easy to come up with a character that's a sidekick that you know can fill in blanks but like isn't isn't fully embodied as like the the hero yeah i mean it's almost like dual leads rather than like a sidekick really mm-hmm. Like and I think it's 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 interesting that you mentioned about like it's kind of role that normally would be like a, a male role and like that's absolutely true like it, it's it's you just don't see a lot of you don't see a lot of female characters like that that are written in such a way that aren't like also like love interests or whatever like it, it's just, it doesn't happen very often and, and you don't it, see a lot of characters that are, that are written that way you never see it both they're both black either. Like a lot of times, you almost know. never. Like you, yeah, you may get one of those things, but you're not going to get both of them. Yeah, like that, and that's sucks, and that's stupid. But like, I think I like, and one can hope that these movies will be influential in such a way that like maybe some of that can can be a little bit de- demystified and maybe like not treated as like uh you know like oh let's go out have some foreign cuisine sort of mindset uh because as yeah. far as storytelling goes like why the fuck not like seriously like like god damn it man like really and, and it doesn't feel like this movie like you know uh shoehorns any of that into it right like it, it just kind of feel it flows like it flows very yeah. naturally and it's like well yeah like they're Absolutely. siblings like they're trying they're both trying to make up for their you know their T- keith david cowboy father um in a way that he right. he embodied everything that you know both of them kind of only have 50 50 i'm assuming like um he was great with well, horses because yeah because because kiki's character got like the showmanship Right. Yeah. And then, uh, and then OJ really got like all like the horse crafting. I don't know what, you, what would you call it? <laughs> cowboying. Like, I don't know. It's not horse crafting. I'm great at crafting the horses. That's what I do better than anything oh, else. Oh, man. Michael's new horse crafting. <laughs> <laughs> but you get I, what I'm saying. I, make, I, I bling out the saddles. Like, you know, I'm a horse yes. crafter. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> But but like that. But you get what I'm saying with that. Where it's it's like you know it, it's not that it's um uh, it's like a bit of husbandry too. Like like he gets the husbandry. I think that's what you're kind of go for. But you said crafting. I, yeah, I, I was not going for that. But that, that's fine. <laughs> the uh, like they they got I like this horse laugh. I'm married into it. <laughs> they each got different parts of like their dad's skill set, which is you know they they and they look at what is lacking in themselves as being like, oh, I'm not living up to my dad's legacy without realizing that the two of them together actually transcend it and are better than uh, their dad's legacy because yeah, they, 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 they need to be like Wonder Twins power activate. <laughs> I mean, I mean low-key, low they kind of are, right? I mean, they, <laughs> Keith David needed uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper with him to, you know, defeat right, the exactly. alien. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, he didn't, They neither of them could have done that by or themselves. Or Kurt Russell, like, you know, let's not, for, let's not do Kurt Russell eraser here. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work, I think, is the, is the, is the key factor there. Is that, is that a bang that you're drinking through a straw? 
Yeah, because I got lipstick on. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's get Bang to uh, I got sponsor I us. Ooh, Brought to yeah. us by Bang. Ooh, what flavor is it? <laughs> I I have uh. Apparently we are. Rose, I, I missed the memo. I don't know. I have rosé, rosé, but I mean, I I'm, 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 I'm just have IBC, man. I've been drinking yerba mate and lemonade and vodka. Like that's my cool. Let's talk about the air is cut out. It does that. It's a bitch. I can't wait to get fiber. You know what I say about all this uh, product placement? Nope. <laughs> but but yeah so that so that really resonated with me hard throughout this is um you know like the the one place that he does uh include like the which you know he always does within these movies but like you know, you know the the blackness of it right like creating a, a genre of horror movies and sci-fi movies that are uh, explicitly black rather than kind of just being yeah. like like a a pale remake no pun intended of stuff that already exists with the black cast like it, it is like you know the scene is, and it's my favorite scene in the whole movie, where uh, OJ's in the <laughs> in the truck, and he has, and the aliens right above him, yeah. and he knows, and he like, like, and and he starts to look up, and he goes, <laughs> "Nope," and nope. locks the car door. There's no white, no good. there's no white horror movie character that would do that. They'd be like, cray their neck out and get yeah. got, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, if, I don't if, know. if you, if you've ever heard, me up so hard when I heard, like, when I saw him say, like, "Nope." Because I was like, you know, number one is the title of the movie, but like number two, like, yeah, like y he's not going to do the dumb thing that like, you know, yep. the generations of horror movie characters, regardless of race, but like it's known for like stereotypes as like a white thing where white people are just like, let me just go up and try to like, you know, uh, reason with it. Like, hello, you know what I mean? Like he's yeah, not going to yeah, ever exactly. do that. Like, <laughs> Well, and it's so key too, if you ever have seen an audience. A, a movie in a movie theater with a predominantly black audience too, like yes, be, like yelling scary. at the screen, be like, "You idiot! Don't do that! <laughs> like, don't go in there!" You know, like, like oh, I nope out of that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never so uh, seen. So us it's great to kind of get in front of that to just have it be on the screen where he's like, just, "No, no, that's yeah, that's yeah." <laughs> yeah. I remember happen. seeing like, us in the movie theater, and, and oh, it's of course Black Panther. Like, I'm like, those are experiences. Like, my mom's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "It's it's when it's when it's a film mostly made for you know people of color." You know they are uh, one so happy rep represented and two they're glad that the content that's being pushed or being put out there is actually phenomenal work and the scene where the white couple get murdered in, in us and oh, yeah. the moment where she's like call the police and it's like now playing fuck the police by nwa and i started <laughs> laughing yeah. so oh, hard the audience just just burst out laughing it was hilarious. i saw that on a plane and i and i started i was like ah! <laughs> <laughs> i i saw i saw us uh like the day like or the weekend it opened uh at like a full theater in like poughkeepsie we went to like i went i went to the galleria or You're whatever your feet yeah, I was picking my feet. No, but like I went to like the big mall kind of uh like AMC theater. Oh, locally, but, like, seats? Yeah, so like so so everybody like everybody was just so so loud, like yelled at the like yelled at the screen being like, oh oh fuck, like laughing their asses off and shit. Yeah. And it's fucking Tim Heidecker too, which in uh yeah, which <laughs> which yeah. not like I, I I just imagine that like the uh you know the 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 mirror version of Tim Heidecker is like the MAGA um like Jordan Peterson fan Tim Heidecker. <laughs> because he does all like the the anti Jordan Peterson content now, so like I just imagine that it's like uh like the Make America Great Again Tim Heidecker comes out and murders them with the fucking axe. I love the in the episode of Blackish. They're like Halloween is in seven months. We gotta start planning. And I had a feeling even before they showed them dressed up as everyone from us. I'm like they're gonna do us. They have to, <laughs> and they did. It was hilarious. And 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 the 
the the really dorky son played like the the white husband. He's like laying on the fur, on the rug with like a scotch and going like this, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Who played Sam Cedar? <laughs> I that is not the career turn that I expected for Tim Heidecker. Like you know, after like uh, Tim and Eric show and everything, like I didn't expect that he was going to be like a guy that hangs out with Sam Cedar and goes on majority report and stuff. <laughs> Here's Frankie. So, oh, cute. And all right, so it's like we got a lot of stuff to get to in the after party. You know, I got I got some tour highlights, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. We should probably maybe uh, do the letterbox one liners. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I didn't do them. <laughs> uh, well, I was gonna say I was gonna do the intro first, but yeah, that's why we just go right to it. Yeah, the course, get the course. Uh, yeah, so letterbox is a place for film. Is a social media site for film lovers to talk at with and to each other about the films they love, the films that they didn't love, the films they were weirdly thirsty for. And of course, all of this, uh, no, it's bottom up democracy, no Siskels, no Ebers. Everyone gets a chance to have their say. Best Express in the one liner format, working on your tight five, getting them in, getting in them quips. Uh, these are the Letterbox one liners for Nope. Let's go. Someone give that spaceship an Oscar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And the Oscar for best, best uh, spaceship. <laughs> it's not a spaceship; it's an animal. <laughs> Crazy old creature that doesn't like eye contact is shaped like a giant eye. I noticed that too. Yeah, Yael with a point there. I mean, you know, they say it about dogs. Like you make eye contact with the dog, like the dog fucking attacks you a lot. Of, like you know, like when there's no like, dogs, they don't attack me. Um, but I'm saying, like, when a dog's not trained and is like, you know, particularly like protective, and you make yeah. eye contact with it, they always say you're not consider like, an aggressive move. Yeah. Or, or a happy puppy who's like oh, human. I mean, yeah, those, those are most of the ones that I interact with. But I'm just saying, like, that's a well known. <laughs> Y'all should have left the damn monkey alone. <laughs> <laughs> or they should have at least like made sure the balloon didn't pop. Like Jesus Christ. I love it when the guy says no. Nope. <laughs> like, Back to what you're just saying. Like, just like me for real. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> nope. Only one like. Man. And it was you. <laughs> and it was me. Yeah, I was the one who liked that one. Yeah. <laughs> I felt so bad for the horses. Same. Facts. I liked that they had a I liked that they had a protector though. I liked that OJ was <laughs> OJ for once, you know, stepping up, protecting people. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what OJ Simpson thinks of this film. <laughs> Hello, to the world. Love, we should love see him. Him. be like, yo, what did you think of Nope? <laughs> hello, oh, Richard, it's me, OJ, on Instagram, talking about Nope. No, I like, I like that he goes, hello, Twitter world. <laughs> <laughs> the first true UAP movie. True that. Maria Gates. She's the, uh, she's one of the, she, she's the non-Eileen uh, maven of noir. Do you guys okay. remember when Marco Rubio led the uh, the hearings, the UAP hearings uh, during the pandemic? This was like happening like in 2020 during the pandemic. They had him stepping out in front of the Senate or whatever, and he's like, "I was, I he, think was, was yeah. he there with the guy from Blink 182?" Uh, they had that guy testify, yeah. But like, uh, I do remember that. Yeah, that, that's. But he, they had him chairing the hearings, and it was like a distraction from all the COVID misery and like the the failure, yeah. complete failure of policy. Like they're like. Hey, we have these cool videos of <laughs> right, right. All the work sucks. I know. <laughs> Pig on the roof. 
oink, oink. that's how I uh, judge my barbecue places. <laughs> is, is there a pig on the roof or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No pig, no barbecue. I, I do like how that is just never explained. It's sort of like, oh, there's a pig on the roof, right? And then you hear you hear make that noise at one point. You're like, what, what, what? And like, oh no, it's the animatronic pig or whatever it's <laughs> on the roof for some reason unknown to us. And Nick Cage is like, that's my pig. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Cage is all pissed off about it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you said my pig was dead. Pig. That's my pig. <laughs> that feeling when you're so hungry, you can eat a horse. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's less like Letterman worthy, I think, one liner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Giant gaping butthole in the sky eats Californians. <laughs> Leave Gavin Newsom alone. Californians. <laughs> that echo uh, was this, amazing. <laughs> this movie does for cloud spotting what Jaws did for swimming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Tagged with with mom and bro on that one as well. Those are the letterbox one liners. Or nope. Of course, Letterbox is a place for film. Please follow the show. That's Forrest over there. Uh, Movie Night Extravaganza. I am Kona Neutron. I am all over Letterboxd as well. I am going to be back to watching movies since the majority of my touring is over. Uh, if you want to see all it's the weird shit. a long, long time. <laughs> Unfortunately. You don't want to tour in winter in this country. Uh, unless you're like Florida and like Arizona or something. Uh J. Andrew Conan's Texas Erasure World, speaking of uh, the Southwest, is uh, watching all the weirdest stuff, and he can't wait to tell you about it. So if you want, to, if you want any interest in that, go go check that out. And, of course, our very good friend, maybe down there in the corner, Christina Oaks, is uh, all over that. And uh, you know, doing the Johnny Depp thing, doing things that are not Johnny Depp as well. And, of course, our many lovely feature guests that are on the show as well. Uh, also... Many of them on Letterbox. I don't know why they're not paying us at this point, but there you go. J. Andrew World, please take it away with the plugs. Right. You're watching us right here on YouTube. Do the YouTube things like comment, subscribe, hit that bell, and watch the video to the end. It actually helps us get discovered by brand new, uh, you know, like movie fans that might not know you're doing our stuff. By the band, brand new, actually. Yes. They're, they're waiting and for you get to hear a great song by Conan Neutron. I agree with what you said. Yes. Yes. Um, you, by the way, you're gonna have. I. I don't. I don't want to like push you into this if you're not gonna have time. Like we could just do the regular one. But are you gonna have a little bit of time to do like a zombie in, in, inspired? Oh. Uh, Is that that's every, next week, right? Yeah. I, th I, th I think. I think. There's, I think there's gonna be a unique theme song for Zombie Month. Yeah. Which okay. is next. Which is be, next week. <laughs> 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 it's gonna be all zither, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would sound more like Thriller if you ask me. It's going to be all zither. You'd be surprised. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Anyways, follow us on Twitter. On Twitter, we uh, we, we post about the show, but we also have a community. And you sure do. Community, you sure uh, do post about the show. The whole time I was gone, I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and in the community, we do not post about movie night extravaganza, but we do post polls and uh I think I think we have a little bit of fun. Girls in there. dancing on poles. It's crazy on that community. <laughs> the community. the chain, man. You won't believe what goes on there. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll post a link to it. Uh, uh, so so you know, make sure make sure you you join us over there. It'll be fun. 
Uh, we have a Patreon where you can after party forever. After party forever. We'll get it one time. <laughs> I'm going to blame the latency on that one. But... Yes. <laughs> and and uh, Code of Neutron is back. Does that mean uh, Protonic Reversal is back this week? It is. Uh, Guy Pichotto Fugazi on Thursday. Ooh. So I figure if I'm only going to do like two episodes a month, let's have like one of them be like gigantic. Yeah, that is that is gigantic. I even know who that is. There you go. <laughs> that's the metric. Has Forrest heard of it? Yeah. And I've never even listened to a music. Fugazi's amazing. Everyone that uh, is even vaguely into leftist politics really needs to uh, listen to some Fugazi big time. Right Not now, that they're explicitly yes. leftist, but like they are easily one of the best political bands of all time. No waffles, no take backs. Final answer, lock it in. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Go, go, go to your local music store, buy their album, go, go wherever you download your music, download it. You know, uh, absolutely is, is fantastic stuff. Great band. And it's, it should be, I feel like it's going to be a pretty damn good episode. So. And if you want to get some more music that's not Fugazi related, uh, check out Dangerous Nomenclature and uh, Action Chief, Just the Solos. Yep. We have the vinyl release show in Milwaukee is on Saturday. And you can pick up both of those, actually, if you feel so inclined. If you like if you like CDs. If you don't like CDs, then fuck you. But the vinyl is, <laughs> is the Dangerous Nomenclature vinyls. But the, that's the local show. I think it's the only Milwaukee sh- local yeah, I only show. Listen to, I only listen to music on cassettes. Exactly. <laughs> you'll never hear my music then <laughs> unless somebody taped it off a record or cd yeah <laughs> which which the weird thing is cassettes were making a comeback and i did an album cover and uh yeah the, the, the guy who made it was like you want a cassette i'm like what am i gonna do with that not really not really i mean very happy cassette to all who celebrate it's just not for me like, yeah, I, yeah. It's, whatever it's enough but yeah if you want to get the copy of that record uh, probably get it off the internet unless you're in Milwaukee or Detroit or Pittsburgh or Peekskill or New Haven or Philadelphia. Not in that order. Fuck that up. Or Oakland because the Oakland show with McCluskey got rescheduled. So that's going to be in November. I think we're going to do a proper Los Angeles show with that as well. But that's going to be November. Fun. Uh, or just buy it on the internet or just listen to it for free and don't pay anything like most people do. Growing <laughs> <laughs> uh... shade. I mean, it's a statement of fact, really. <laughs> I see the throwing, throwing shade at those goddamn freeloaders. Freeloading <laughs> masters on the internet. How dare you? And, and we have Christina, who who is also doing oh, uh, stuff for sorry, free on the internet. Sorry. Oh. Uh, also, Mark Borchardt video for the commuter, which and last I checked, it was at like over a thousand views. So people seem to like Good. it. Right on. Yeah, we can it's, we it's... can end the uh, after party with it too again. That sounds like fun. But Christina, you're over there on Twitch. Uh, you got any guests coming up this week or anything? So what, this rebrand happened while I was gone too. Like when when <laughs> this I was I was like, who's Cosmopolitics? What is this? I'm like, oh, it's Christina. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm gonna be on F bombs for you stream on Thursday night at 10 o'clock Eastern, so that should be fun. Political improv show. I'm like, cool. Let's do it. All right. Isn't yeah. that what most political shows are? <laughs> yeah. or, or are you gonna or are you gonna you like yes and different policies? You're gonna be like Medicare for all, yes, and I think that we should have you know public housing, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, does uh, Frankie have any plugs? Okay, so just a reminder for Christina's show for her stream is still September, and you get twenty five percent off gifted subs. Woo! 
I uh, I actually really like that he was not phased by that. Like, that's like whatever. Of, he's like, <laughs> like she he does this pretty regularly. I don't know. <laughs> if you don't pop over to their Twitch channel, uh, to Christina's Chris Twitch channel, please uh, go over to her Patreon and support her over there. So there are multiple ways you can support my, Christina. My sister's like, how do you do the Prime sub for Amazon? I'm like, you have to do it while I'm streaming. <laughs> Can you guys hear this, by the way, or is this is this being blocked out? I, I'm hearing it. Yes. Yeah, the, the cat is just sitting there yelling at me, like it's like, dude, <laughs> feed me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are the plugs. Unless your cat has anything to plug. No, he's he's he, what he's plugging is he wants to be fed immediately. Is what he's <laughs> today's plug, plug dinner. Where the fuck is dinner? <laughs> <laughs> dinner. Where the fuck is it? <laughs> That's his Chiron. If he if he had a new channel, dinner. Where the fuck is it? It seems like it's late. Frankie's Twitch stream <laughs> belly rubs in 4K. Yeah. You want to be on camera? I just want to look at um, you. for the rest of the week. We started the show with with Audrey on the couch, but I kind of chased her out. Well, she she got up and left. I heard they tried chasing her out. She refused to leave. And uh, but she gets she gets up and there's always something out there that she starts barking at, and it would have been like a whole thing. So I tried Maybe to like it's the it. truth. Maybe but then, but then, like, it. but then I like I don't know. Five minutes later, she was like, "Oh, something's going on over there," and walked out of the room. And I was like, <laughs> oh, "Okay." And I guess I didn't have to. <laughs> um, but yeah. All right, you guys ready for final thoughts? Yes, the cats certainly are. Yeah, Jack Harkness's <laughs> final thoughts is, "I would like to be fed immediately." <laughs> Thank you. All right, Conan, let's hear him. Final thoughts. Oh, I'm first now. Why am I first? Okay, well. <laughs> It's you've almost been, like you're the guest. <laughs> you've been the missing. Uh, yeah, nope. Uh, badass, authoritative, well-filmed, well-directed, well-acted. Um, I kind of let my hopes get sort of high on this one, but uh, this is easily one of my favorites of the year. Top three, uh, for sure. It's a tense, fascinating film. It manages to both surprise and wonder. Uh, props to Keith David, it was awesome. Uh, props to Michael Wincott. I mean, like, there's all kinds of like. I mean, like, uh, the, the cast is amazing. Um, it's both modern and sort of the best part of like Western character uh, protagonists that are not like <laughs> conservative propaganda, basically. <laughs> and I, I firmly believe that. Well, if you're watching this, hopefully you've already seen the film. Otherwise, you should watch it knowing as little about it as you can. Uh, because <laughs> yeah, Oops, yeah, don't watch this first. If you did, I guess sorry. I don't know. Um, I think this one is real cool. It doesn't know a lot to previous movies, uh, references or nostalgia. And uh, yeah, for the rockers in the audience, there's a whole lot of like awesome uh t shirt set design, you know, Jesus Lizard, Mr. Bungle, Raging the Machine. And uh, there's even a, this this movie has an earth shirt in it, fucking earth. What's Andy Scorpion King production? What's uh, King? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and for uh, uh, and for anyone in the audience that you know has ever watched a horror movie and gone, "Why the fuck are they doing that?" It also yeah. has a bunch of times. Where it has go, a couple many nope. moments where you're just like, "Finally, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> representation on the screen for critical thinking in horror movies." Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> at last. At last. Uh, love it, love it. Uh, like I said, top three of the year. I'm glad we covered it. Yeah, I mean, I, I went in with uh, high expectations too, and I was like. 
you know, because I'd watched uh, Us again for the first time since 2019. And, I mean, Get Out is obviously, like, a, an absolutely stellar movie that's, like, a once in the, you know, like, once in the at least decade kind of project, I think. So, like, going into it and actually being like, oh, shit, that was good. Okay, good. Because I was like, because sometimes, like, filmmakers will, like, kill it for the first couple of times. And then the next thing tanks. And you like, you're like, I really like this filmmaker. Like, Jordan Peele's fucking awesome. Like, I don't want to feel like this movie wasn't good. And, like, watching it, I was like, Hell yeah, he came through again. Thanks, Jordan Peele. I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yes. I call I call it the non M Night phenomenon. <laughs> and I I don't know I don't know how to uh, shoehorn this in when we do Zombie Month as a joke, but uh, there's the sketch that Key and Peele did where it's a bunch of zombies and they won't touch black people. Like they're all white zombies, and <laughs> every time a black guy, so they end up they end up like oh the zombies hit CPAC first as it turns yeah. out. <laughs> but I don't know. I was thinking about that a lot this week because we're about to do Zombie Week, and that's honestly one of the funniest sketches that anyone's ever like managed to produce on a mainstream TV show. <laughs> Especially because they, they they like they realize I don't know. I used to make fun of Key and Peele. We'll, we'll get into the Seattle part, I guess, because I could like you could do the pacing of their sketch. There, there's always be, there would always be a point where they should have cut off the sketch. And, they and it's like they would hit a point and then they would keep the sketch going for another two minutes. And like, yeah. so me and my friend, uh, like Bubba that like has since passed away, but like we used to watch Key and Peele and we would count the the stanzas pretty much. We would be like, okay, this is the point where the sketch had turned off and it would keep going for like another two minutes. So you'd be like, this is where the sketch really went off the rails. Like, yeah. nice. It's a, but anyway, that was a, that was probably an after party thing. But uh, Christina. <laughs> I'm glad Christina. that you realized that, but yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> uh, so when I heard that the, when I when I came into this film not knowing what it was about, all I knew was like, oh, it seems like a bit of like a western with a UFO. It's you know, I was like, I like, I loved Get Out and Us, and I love this film. I think it's you know one of those films that could possibly bring back like the western genre. We're slowly, slowly but surely seeing a comeback of that genre, but also give it the western with a twist. You know, adding this the sci-fi effect. I see. I feel like some people felt underwhelmed by this film because they were like, "It's not like a horror or thr- like a real like thriller or whatever." I'm like, it, "It is a bit of a thriller," but um, I feel like people should just like maybe watch it again and give it a chance. I think think people need to get their heads adjusted if they didn't like it. Yeah, whatever. That's which, by yeah. the way, we're having a, fix your hearts a, or die. That's we're having saying. a friend, like one of my friends from uh, from from town on it. 10 30 or whatever that uh didn't care for it so i'm interested to hear his his case for that might have to either fix his heart or die i don't know (laughs) we may have to kill him (laughs) didn't expect this evening turn out that way but here we are cone is actually coming to peak skill with one intention (laughs) to rock out (laughs) that is my true intention always yeah um I'm excited to see Conan. I'm going to the Peak Skills show. I'm going to be there. Should be cool. I don't precisely know what it's going to be like, but it should be interesting, is what I'll say. Like, I, I know what our part of it's going to be like. Let's see if people are into it. <laughs> people, people here uh, actually like a lot of like a like a. I don't know if esoteric is the right word. Like, people like a bunch of different kinds of stuff here. Like, if you can actually like, if you, I mean, you can obviously play, but like I'm saying, like anyone that can really play and like like. Yeah. vibe with an entire like this is a very um i mean like you know we have everyone from like pete seeger that lived here to like uh so like different kinds of music like i think a lot of the audience yeah. is here Gandalf murphy and the sound bovian circus of dreams i think is from your area like um and also uh what's his name uh leon panetta 
No, there's there's a guy. <laughs> there's a guy from that had the that has the thing in Woodstock. Um, I always forget his name, but like there, there's like a, a lot of artist collectives up here. So like people are into like in, yeah yeah. No, uh, I, I I have I, just because I haven't I haven't played uh, that area in Code Neutron Secret Friends, but I've played up there before. It's it's good. I was I was mostly I was mostly kidding. Um, I think that uh, oh, Risk Awards playing uh, went too hard to you as well. So they're great. They're friends of ours from New York City. They're awesome. Right. Should be a good time. Yeah, we'll have to. Um, I was gonna say we're, there's not gonna be any time to do anything special or anything like other than well, the Secret Friend shows can be special. But <laughs> um, but uh, Andy, let's uh, let's hear those final thoughts. I got to say, this is the best cold open to an X-Files episode I have ever seen. <laughs> um, it's almost like an entire film. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're just waiting for Mulder and Scully to come up and see that chaos and try to figure out what that pig's doing on the roof. Um, <laughs> Where's my pig? <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Cage. This <laughs> is <a> star-studded. <laughs> yeah, amazing sequel. Um, but yeah, Robin, yeah just... Robin, what the fuck was this? <laughs> Robin Feld, <laughs> famous, famous Portland chef. <laughs> what, what are, are you doing, doing here? <laughs> A jupe's claim. <laughs> I, I, like, don't, I don't know, Scully. <laughs> no, he's like, what are you <laughs> doing here? A jupe's claim. I'm looking for my pig. <laughs> <laughs> you see, it'd be funnier if you were on that episode, but you bailed on us. <laughs> no, she didn't bail. She got reverse pigged. All right. I'm looking for my human. <laughs> Nicholas Cage as the pig in the remake. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for my owner. It's the shot for shot remake, but the pig is looking for Nicholas Cage. <laughs> also played by Nicholas Cage. Actually, no, played by someone totally different. Voice acted by Nicholas Cage. Voice, yeah, exactly. But motion captured by the guy who had that uh, great, ex you know, the, the 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 watched his face fall on that one scene. Just oh, have yeah. him like in a mocap suit, yeah. you know, running around. And and the pig trainer is OJ for some reason. Haywood from this movie. <laughs> this, is, this is classic after party material. I know. All right, Andy, keep, keep going. Yeah, no, it was. It, uh, you know, I love I love seeing films shot in uh, the desert, big sky, and make it really feel nice and open. Um, also, I love I love films that really give you a sense of space, which uh, a lot of movies don't these days. Uh, especially like genre films, especially low budget movies, which this is not. Um, but, but uh, you know, a lot of movies feel claustrophobic and there's no sense of space. And this movie is all about that sense of space. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like one movie that kind of, no, no, no pun intended, but open that up was like Nomad Land, right? Like that movie felt like 90% space. And yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it'd be cool if literally anyone on the left would discuss that piece of it and not the only other thing that they ever discuss about it. But yeah, Which just, just what I did on Ben's show. I, I was discussing the cinematography, the light levels, and the, the, the colors. Um, a lot of big rocks. I loved. <laughs> she, she, she sees a lot of big rocks. But but uh, you know the no. rocks. The rocks represent uh, Amazon, and <laughs> uh, I mean this was not Arizona, but uh, uh, it's it's the the landscape is not that different from Arizona, which inspired Maxfield Parrish, one of my favorite painters, uh, for the color scheme that he used. Uh, because the rocks are again this is not Arizona, so you don't have the same hue of the rocks, and the sky is not the same blue as it is in Arizona. But 
there is still something magical about that kind of landscape. It's it's it's, it's very much Southern California sagebrush um, bordering on desert, which is Santa Clarita is actually where it's at. But it's like it's the exact desert that you get when it's you go into the Inland Empire, and then it kind of branches off to Joshua Tree on the high side, and then uh, more Palm Desert on the low side. But it, it's it's rarely seen in film, despite so many movies uh, being filmed in Los Angeles. Uh, and when it is, it's usually in a very different kind of film. Like people are getting stuck there. Yeah. What I like about this film, not to interrupt your final thoughts with my own, is that like it's not people getting stuck there so much as against stuck with a, a legacy that maybe they didn't ask for. Well, and the know, space is something stuck. I mean, the aliens kind of stuck there. <laughs> I think the aliens just. Did, it's like, hey, there's lots of good eating here. I'm gonna stay here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're gonna give me a horse every day. Hell yeah, that's great. I'm in. <laughs> Sometimes they're gonna give me people. Man, awesome. I'm it's the, delicious. I'm the you know purple flying purple people eater. That's <laughs> that's what I do. But yeah, no, I just I do love the big sky country and seeing that just just film so nicely. Um, uh, you know, uh, is always just inspiring for me. Uh. Makes me want to go back out there. I haven't been in years, but uh, makes me want to go back out there. I was there last week. Actually, paint <laughs> like like get get my easel out, get my paintbrush and, and yeah. paint. So um, it makes uh, me want to eat. It makes me want to eat hikers <laughs> from, the, from from my sky home. <laughs> poop out look at that, the look at that skeptical look from Christina. <laughs> poop out quarters into unexpecting people <laughs> and horses, apparently. Um. But uh, you know, my my final thought for this was, I kid you not, okay, we are being surveilled by an alien species I call the viewers, and ladies and gentlemen, I believe they trust me. If they didn't, I don't think we'd be here tonight on this podcast. Mm-hmm.